Welcome to Savvy Saps Podcast on Call-In. This is episode 104, Trump Town Hall. What are your thoughts on CNN's Trump Town Hall? I kept it pretty simple for tonight. I thought it was, uh, there was no need to really complicate things with this discussion. So let's go ahead and dive in. Tell me, guys, tell me what you think, you guys. Like, I, I really, in my opinion, I really feel like this actually helped Trump instead of hurt him. I don't think this went the way that CNN thought it was going to go, or at least that the host, Caitlin, thought that this was going to go. So I think she should have done things a little bit differently, but that's just my opinion. I will go ahead and bring in Britt. All right. You are on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hi, Sabby. Hey, how are you? So um, I just saw a few clips of the, I didn't see the whole, uh, the, uh, not debate, the town hall. And I don't think it really changes anything because people have their mindset about Trump. They're going to vote for him or they're not because he already ran for president and people already have their minds made up. Um, There's really nothing to say, really. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I could see that. I think that um, I think that the people, like you said, the people who already had decided that they were going to vote for him, I don't think this town hall changed their mind in any way, shape or form. And in fact, I think it just made Trump look stronger. You know, it seemed like everything that she tried to, with the exception of the abortion question, which I actually didn't find in the highlights because I was going to talk about that as well. But with the with the ex- uh, exception of that, I think that it actually made Trump look strong. And, you know, I don't know if that's what CNN's angle was was in- intended to do, but uh, I don't think this went the way that they thought it would go. And I think that's why so many people like AOC is one of those people that was really vocal that she's upset about it. And I think... That's why some people are upset. Yeah, Trump, he's, there's a perception that he tells it like it is, which is obviously not true. But it's, it's like he just speaks his mind and people are, are drawn to that, even though all the politicians, they're all liars. They're all corrupt. AOC include, especially AOC. So they're all, they're all bad. I mean, there's not really a good politician. So when I heard like the, the commentary from like the people protesting outside saying that Trump's a dis, he, he's not honest. He can't be trusted. Well, what, well, Biden can't be trusted either. None of them can be trusted really. So I don't know. I, I just found Caitlin very typical mainstream media pushing an agenda. It's not really, I find it very off putting. And I mean, you know what they're really happy with is they got their ratings. You know, that's all yeah. CNN and, and the corporations care about. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Trump gained a lot of ground there. I mean, you know, I'm no fan and, you know, and, and I, it, it's, you know, but it's, you know, I, I think his opinions on the Ukraine war scored him a lot of points. You're going to have a lot of people who are just going to hear that and go, Jesus, we got to get out of this war. So. You know, that's kind of like um, uh, Kim Iverson's position is like, is like, she is like, do anything to get out of this war. And yeah, he's lying, but <laughs> he's going to get votes. Yeah, he's, he's going to get the votes and people, they want the, the war keeps people, they, people need, people want the war to end. So, and yeah. he's just saying what he, what people want to hear. And 
he he's but at the end of the day he's just as bad as the rest of them like they're they're all he's only saying that to get votes but if if he was president he'd he, he's probably funded by the military industrial complex as well so how could you trust any of them they're they're all a bunch of liars and but he just says it very well because he has the experience being in the entertainment industry so he has he has a way of speaking that people are are drawn to okay. But yeah, there it, he's got some new so. advisors, man. That he's he's listening to. Yeah, that that's dangerous too. I mean, he's got some new people yep. who know what he should be saying. <laughs> Have you right. guys noticed that Trump is not as crass as he was when he ran for twenty sixteen? Yeah, I noticed that, because, especially with the Access Hollywood. He, he 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 used to be so like he used to own it more, but now he's like, I don't want to lie. Blah 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 blah. He's more um, not as aggressive with his, I don't know, misogyny. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah, like, I, like I've, I've noticed these things. And I, I really do think that, like, the fact that he showed up and pulled out physical receipts, I was just like, damn. Like, even I don't have that. As much as people say Savvy always has receipts, I don't have physical receipts in my pocket. He and- made a moment there, huh? Yeah, like for him to just do that, I was like, yikes. And I also wonder, too, did you guys get the impression that Caitlyn actually wanted to host that town hall? Because the feeling that I got from her is that she really didn't want to do this. Probably the paycheck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, right? I mean, they, they live for the, you know, I, I, I think she, she that would, would kill her grandmother to host one of these personally. That's what <laughs> people are. <laughs> well, I think that what's what's really interesting to me is that I think that if you're going to host a Trump town hall, whether it's on CNN or not, and you're against Trump, you really have to be prepared with the questions that you bring in hand. And I think one of the mistakes that she made was the question that she asked, do you want Ukraine to win? I think that was a bad question. Yeah, but it was like... They, they were just so dying to hit him with that. I mean, th- this is the liberal mindset. You know, they, they think that's a win. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're not realizing that, you know, there are more Americans that are becoming more just tired, like of this war, of all the money that's going out the door uh, to the military industrial complex. I mean, more people are waking up in reference to this this particular thing. Even when she tried to hit him with the question about, him taking like classified documents, I was just kind of like, well, so did Biden. So how are you going to, you know, like, that's not a gotcha. I don't think the gotchas worked. I don't think so either. Um, I, it either didn't help him or it helped him. People are going to vote for him anyway. That, Like you hear, you talk to people in the public, they're, they're all against Trump, but like 2016, the silent voter, they're going to come out and and vote, especially the rural areas. You're going to ignore them again. You're going to pay. They're going to, the Democrats are going to pay because if you're going to ignore the, 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 the South, the central, uh, middle America, if you ignore, ignore their, their demands or wishes, um, they're going to lose. And Trump is speaking to them. So, yeah, they're going to show out. They're going to show up. I, I think, The other thing, too, that I think CNN and just other forms of media need to understand as well, 
bringing up Trump's crimes is not going to prevent his supporters from voting for him. They're not they're not turned off by that. You know, when he made that statement and he said if he shot someone in Fifth Avenue, that his supporters would still be there. I believe that. I believe that's true. People have to understand, like, there are people who love this man at one point, but like they see him as like this, you know, celebrity figure and they would do anything the same way that some people loved Bernie Sanders, like people love Donald Trump. There are people that love him and it doesn't matter what he does or says, they're going to back him and support him. And I, I feel like like CNN, like they just don't get it. I feel like the Democratic Party doesn't really get that because they keep thinking that, you know, we're going to get Trump on this. We're going to get him on that. They tried to impeach him. They tried to get him with, uh, you know, Russia Gate, and, and then now they're trying to get him with his bi- his business dealings. And none of this is working. And I just don't think they're really going to wake up to this unless Biden loses in 2024. I mean, the other thing is the people who are going to vote for Trump aren't, aren't watching CNN. You know, they, they, they watch CNN for those two hours while Trump was on and then they <laughs> changed the channel. So, so all the other stuff CNN said about Trump didn't even go in their ears, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Except for, and, and the other point to that is like someone like Tucker Carlson, on the other hand, actually had people from all different political ideologies watching him. It wasn't just conservatives that watched Tucker Carlson. So that's just something for people to really think about. And I don't know, like, I I will have to wait and see what's going to happen, of course. But I just, if the Democratic Party thinks that they got this one in the bag, I think they're going to be very surprised come 2024. Well, and then there's also that that thing. I mean, I, I actually, this occurred to me tonight. Like so, so, like we have that Assange quote about you know how it, with the wars, like the object is not to win; it's to, it's to to soak money out of the coffers into the into the military industrial complex and 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 all that. And I, I think we need to to be viewing the this political these political things as that way. You know, the these the, they kind of don't really care about winning as long as the money keeps rolling in. And as long as they only give us these two corrupt choices to vote for, then the money keeps rolling in. And that's really what this is all about. Did you guys just like, or especially for those of you that saw the entire town hall, did you notice they didn't ask anything about Julian Assange? Well, I mean, all, all the questions were vetted and pre-selected. And these people were like reading off these sheets. They may not have even written the questions, what I saw. <laughs> So who's going to bring it up, right? Yeah, that that would have been an interesting question to ask, but it's almost like you're not even allowed to say his name. And that's the thing that, like, it just, it, it drives me crazy. It, like, irks my nerve. And, you know, for everything we criticize Tucker Carlson for, he would bring it up. He'll bring it up. That is true. That is true. He would. Anything, anything else, Brent? What else are you thinking about in reference to, to 2024? Do you have any concerns? Yes. So um, there's some news or controversy regarding the wedding, the Crystal and Kyle wedding, and the, the d- different podcasters that attended that wedding. Um, some people think that 
uh, you should be able to separate uh, your reporting from friendships. And some people feel it's inappropriate for uh, people who claim to be independent or um, a certain type of reporter to be mingling with political figures and Democratic candidates. So I just want to know, do you feel that it's a, it's appropriate to be friends with uh, political figures when you are expected to cover them in, and hold their feet to the fire? Well. <laughs> First, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't work. It's not compatible and it's, how are they going to come at come hard at these people? You know, when you're at the wedding, it's like, it's like you know, you're going to say, you know, don't, you know, never mind all that bad stuff I said about you. You know, <laughs> wasn't it a great wedding? No, somebody. I, I, this may be a rumor, but did did, did Marion Williamson like actually officiate it, or or is that just a rumor? I know she was there, but I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that. I saw the picture of she was there. With the van, I saw. I think uh, the yeah. Vanguard uh, people, uh, uh, Bree, and then Katie. I believe Maggie, was there. Maggie Cobbler uh, in the chat is saying Marion Williams officiates. Yes, I this, if we have any she was there. Confirmation of that. Yeah, someone brought this up on call in Tuesday night. They said that um she she did officiate the wedding. Oh boy! You know I don't. I, I try not to get into the personal like stuff. Like this is exactly what I said like Tuesday. Um, I mean, me personally, like, would, would I ask a, uh, a political candidate to officiate my wedding? No, I wouldn't. Um, I actually wouldn't have them at the wedding either. I wouldn't have invited them just because of what I do. Um, because then like, yeah, people would be like, well, Sabrina is going to be more favorable to that candidate because, you know, they came to a wedding or they married her or whatever like i just me i wouldn't have done that um but at the end of the day it wasn't my wedding and i got married many years ago so i think um you know like my take on this is that um i was a little heated when i discussed this tuesday i've since calmed down um when i when someone brought it up on calling but you know my thing is i think that um you know brie released a video earlier today uh, with, with her and Katie, they talked a little bit about it. It's a Patreon episode. So I only saw the clip that was on YouTube and, you know, I mean, some of the things that I did see that I think, you know, I didn't think was fair. The people who were invited as guests, like the assumption, I think some people were like, they were, they should have known that Marianne was officiating the wedding. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, I've, I've been to many, many weddings. <laughs> I'm like 27 dresses. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. It's a movie called uh, 27 Dresses. And uh, she was like the forever bridesmaid. Well, I'm like the forever guest. Like I've been to a lot of weddings and I never knew who was going to officiate the wedding. Like when you get a, when you get the invitation, like it didn't say who's officiating the wedding. It just asked you like, if you want chicken, like fish or steak, that kind of thing, the time, the location. And, and if there's going to be like any type of after party or anything like that afterwards, that usually is listed there as well. So one thing I will say, I didn't think was fair 
it was just like, I felt like some of the people who were invited as guests, they were getting criticized where for them, it's just like, I'm just going to my friend's wedding. How do I know all these people are supposed to be there? And that's another thing. Like when I've been a guest for weddings before too, I didn't know who was coming to the wedding. I, you know, I just rolled up and I don't know if that's, 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 that's necessarily fair. I think what, what people might have to understand is that there are some people in independent media where like, they're actually friends in real life. Like they're not just appearing on each other's shows. They actually hang out with each other in person in real life. And I, that was something I didn't really realize until I got into this space. And I went to, you know, there's a, a group of them that live in like the DC area. So it, it makes sense to me that they would be able to like hang out with each other and stuff like that. Come on, Tyree. Don't you have, don't you have lunch with David Pakman every day? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. Come on, fess up. <laughs> what was funny is like out of nowhere, David, Pla- David Pakman uh, blocked me on Twitter and it was just random and weird because I'm like, dude, we're like what the only two people in the Boston area, <laughs> like, like, like doing lefty commentary. Like I, that was just really weird to me. <laughs> I didn't understand that. But um, anyway, um, I, I, for I, me, it's, it's it's different because a lot of like the the left indie hosts are not in my area for the most part. I, I feel like the, the issue is the combination of things, right? If they, if all these people were, were hitting the Democratic Party, like, like if Jimmy Dore showed up at the wedding, like, and then the next day can just continues his spiel of calling them all corrupt monsters, then it's like, well, so why do you was at the wedding? He's still being Jimmy Dore. Yeah, that these is people Jimmy. are being Marianne stands before, during and after. So it's all of a piece. Right, yeah. right. But. I, I think I kind of, oh, go ahead. Bad Cookie says you have brunch with Cromo, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird because, like, for me, it's a little bit different because, like, unlike some of these other places, like, the people that live, like, in New York, there's, like, a group of them that live there. There's a group that live in, like, the Los Angeles area. Like, they can all get together and hang out, like, in person. But for me, the only time I actually see left independent media hosts is when I go to rallies, particularly in D.C., that's when I'll, I'll see them. That's I've, I've seen Misty, uh, Comrade Misty, in person multiple times. And every time it's been in D.C. and she lives in Ohio. Um, that's, how, that's how I saw Max Blumenthal in person when I went to D.C. for rally. Uh, same thing with um, uh, Chris Hedges. I saw Chris Hedges in, in D.C. So unless I'm traveling to do on-the-ground reporting, I usually don't run into... Uh, people that do independent media. Yeah. I personally feel that it's a bad look because especially when um, you're posing with Marion Williamson and you're supposed to be, you claim that you're independent media and you're, and you're, you're, you want to, you claim you're going to hold these politicians, their feet to the fire. It, 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 to me, it came across as a bad look. You can't control who's at a wedding and who isn't. But when you're p- posing a pictures like that, it's just, it's, it sends the wrong message, in my opinion. And I feel like if you, if you come across Amanda Williamson at the wedding and you didn't know she was invited, you could be cordial, like say hi or whatever, but to be taking pictures like that, 
when you claim to be an independent journalist, it, it to me just seems like a bad look. Mm, it doesn't mean yeah. you, you have to. Well, they've posted pictures with each other before, though. Like they're they're friends, so I think. Yeah, that's that's a problem as well. I feel because when, when you when you want to hold these when you claim you're independent, you're not mainstream Democrat or Republican, and you want to hold these politicians hold their feet to the fire. It just comes. It's it's just a bad look to be taking photos with them and showcasing your friendship like that. Yeah, it's tricky because so. Somebody could actually use this against me, um, actually, because, you know, I think it's different if you're friends with that person before they run. So, like, for example, this was local office, but still same thing applies. Uh, Kyle Davis, he's an, an activist here in the Boston area. We met during the um, March for Medicare for All, like for the, the Boston one. Eric remembers this. That's how I met Eric. But Kyle was the organizer and I was the MC. And so we worked together. And then it just so happened, like a couple, and we took pictures together and everything. And a couple months later, he decided to run for office. And so it, it is kind of one of those things where it's like, so do I not talk to Kyle now? You see what I mean? Because like, I didn't know Kyle was going to run for office. Like he didn't win, but. I don't know. Something to think about. You have to just. I personally feel that when you interview, if you were to interview him while he was running, I feel there should be some sort of like disclosure up front at the, at the least, saying that we're friends, we've known each other as such and such and such, and the people can decide for themselves, um, right? Whether you're biased or you're you're a, a quote unquote hack, or you're you're just trying, you're just friends, and. People could judge for themselves, but people should know that relationship. If you have that relationship, they should know beforehand. I feel that I personally feel that's fair. So, well, to so be I, fair, I, I will say I can't speak for everybody else, but to be fair, I will say Crystal Ball has made that public. Like on Breaking Point, she said she's biased that Marianne is her friend. I have seen her say that, and Bree has also acknowledged that her and Marianne are friends. So to be fair, I don't feel like that information was hidden. I mean, I feel like this gets into where, where we need to, to figure out some clarity in, in our left politics. And, and this is maybe, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we can talk about this on Friday, too, on, on the panel and the, on the after the show. But I, I feel like, like, like so like people, like even in the chat, they're saying that, well, Bree and and Crystal and Kyle aren't telling anybody to vote for Marianne Williamson. And so this is where if, if we don't have a clarity in, in our politics, then, you know, then then it gets kind of muddy. And so, you know, so how do we get that clarity? And so for me, you know, it always comes back to the money. If we have a left politics that that's really focused and really central on saying that always coming back to you know, the billionaires are the problem, the megacorps are the problem, the the MIC and the money and the legalized bribery and the Congress that's full of corrupt monsters that work for the billionaires and don't for don't work for us. You know, that's the problem. And that's the problem we need to solve. And if we and we need clean elections at the state level and all these things. And if we make that the core of our politics, then and, and if you have a cause like I'm always going on about a set of demands and a full, you know, a very clear set of demands, then 
when somebody like a Marianne Williamson or, or even an RFK or, you know, and of course you need these Democrats or any of them when they come along saying they're your friends. Well, you say, well, here's my list of demands, you know, and, you know, I look at what you're doing and, you know, you ain't, you ain't making it. So it's an easy choice. Yeah. I will say something. Um, I do have lines. Um, and I'll give an example with uh, John Stasevich who came on, I interviewed him twice, was running it, running as independent for president. I don't know if he's still running anymore or not. Um, but I have lines. So like, you can't be calling me <laughs> like, like if you're running for office, like you're running for president, like you can't be calling me. You can't like, just expect me to come hang out with, for me, I do have lines, right? But the thing is for some people, they may look at it differently. Um, but it's really not up to me to decide like what someone does for their wedding. You know, I will say, had it not been for Twitter, I would have never even known about this wedding. Like, like literally I went, I went on Twitter and I had all these DMs, people saying, Oh my God, did you see this? And I'm just like, well, no, I didn't until you showed it to me. You know, I was trying to have a cool, relaxing day and people were just like, Oh my God, the people. And I'm just like, you know, I, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't really tell people what to do for their event and I can't tell people who to hang out with or anything like that. Those are things that I can control. But, um, for me, would I have said, Hey, will you come officiate my wedding? No. Would I have invited them to the wedding? No, but that's me. Right. And I, I feel that's the right approach and people and people that picture it's, it's a bad look. And, and I listen to, I love Brie. I, I listen to them all the time and, I, I just feel it's it's a very bad look, and now when the, they're interviewing people like Marion Williamson, I'm going to question. Oh, are you not asking uh, Marion Williamson about Ukraine, about her support of the Ukraine war? Are you, are you not asking her because she was nice to you at the wedding? Um, th those questions are going to come up, and and the reason why it, this is not an issue with conservatives or uh, styles from Democrats is because they don't have a, a standard of of morals they're just about they're they're all about corruption and i feel like independent progressive media is all it claims to be about anti-corruption so i feel like that's where there's a different standard of who people hang out with or who people support versus what the, the establishment political parties are doing there I feel that, gentleman, like, yeah there was a gentleman who was there you guys may have seen him before he he's a socialist he ran for office before um, he, uh, his name is Elian, Liam, excuse me, Liam Doris. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Liam was there and, and he did post something on Twitter, you know, saying like, I'm pretty sure it makes sense to people why, why I was there because his wife used to work for Kyle. And from what I understand, Kyle introduced him to his wife. So obviously they were going to be invited. And right. so, um, you know, he, he. He said something like he was really nice about it. He said that there were it wasn't just, um, I guess, elite people or bougie people that were there because obviously, you know, he's we've talked to him before, like he's working class and he was talking about that. And he said there were other people that were also there that were working class. And he said that he was willing to to chat about it. So I think I'm not willing to <laughs> I'm not going to bring someone on to talk about someone else's wedding, but um I mean, it just, he just issued like that public statement 
just clarifying that, that it wasn't just like, I guess, like bougie or whatever, like people that were there. I mean, I think part of the problem is, like I said, like would I have done it? Like, no, I, I would have done something differently. But I think part of the problem is for people that work in media, particularly those that are independent journalists, I feel like they kind of live like this siloed life. And what do I mean by that? Like, because of the things that they tend to talk about and the things that they report on, nine times out of 10, most of the people that they're friends with are probably going to be other people who are journalists or people who are in media, right? That's that's typically how it works. Um, and when it comes to politicians, though, yeah, I think there should be a line there. That being said, some of the attacks that I saw on Twitter, I felt like was unwarranted. And I'm not talking about the whole, you're doing access journalism. I'm talking about, there were some attacks I saw that were really personal, that were below the belt. And I thought that wasn't, that was not warranted. Right. You should never get personal. But the access, in terms of the access journalism criticism, I feel it comes into play because you're closing up with Mary Williamson at the wedding. And, and people see that, like people who listen to your channel, not your channel, but like Bree's channel or Katie's channel, they're going to question, do you really, are you really being objective or, or not? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. It's, a, it's an unfortunate reality. When, when you're an independent journalist, a progressive who claims to be anti-corruption, um, there's a higher standard. I feel that you're, you're, you're held to, and it's, it comes with, it affects your personal life. Literally. Like when you go to a wedding, you have to worry about who you're hanging out with because the picture could come up on Twitter and people are going to question whether they could trust, whether trust you to be objective. And that's just, yeah. I feel that comes with the territory and most people, it doesn't matter who you invite to the wedding or not. It doesn't really matter. But when you're a, a journalist, an independent one, especially, it comes with the territory and it's, I'm sure Katie and Bree, they, they, they understand the criticism, but it's kind of, it's, it's hard for them because I see the comments in their videos and all their viewer, I, I would say maybe 75% of, of their viewers are, are going after them. And yeah, well, I would, so. I will say like, I think, and I, th I think I told you guys this, like last year, I told you that you have to be careful about being friends with politicians Right. Yeah. I, I told you guys about that because like, it's, yeah, I mean, and it's in, it sucks, but the reality is like, people are like, going to You can't claim that you're, 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 you're a uh, anti-corruption. You're, you're objective. You can't really claim that as much if you're cozying up with them at weddings, taking pictures with them. You can't control whether you see them at the wedding. That's, that's one thing. If you see Mary Wilson at the wedding, you can't control whether you see her in the hallway or not, that's something you can't control. But, but when you're cozying up with them, taking pictures, stuff like that, it's just, it looks really bad. And well, don't you feel like, let me ask you this question. Don't you feel like for Marianne being a candidate, don't you feel like maybe that's something that she should have, you know, she should, of absolutely. She, yeah. she should have known that her hanging out with people in who will be in attendance 
knowing that some of them are independent journalists, it, she should have taken responsibility and said, it's a bad look for me for to show up at this wedding because it, it, it gives the impression that she's trying to cozy up with these journalists so um, they get they give her um, easy treatment when they come to interviewing her. They give her the easy questions. No, that, that doesn't hurt Marianne, you know? Is it, that hurts the journalists, the candidates cozying up to press. No one cares about that. It's, it's the opposite. That's the problem. It's, it's a bad look. And uh, mm. I, I mean, there's really nothing more. It's progressive. When, when you're progressive and you're, anti-corruption it's just kind of yeah so i'll say too like the like the personal stuff i know some people have no problem like sharing like their personal life like info on um social media or or like maybe more so twitter facebook i feel like is more the place for that um but i i tend to be very careful about what i share about my personal life on twitter um and i think it's just because like all it takes is like someone to see one picture and there you go. Like, why are you this? Why are you that? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, the most pictures you'll see of me is like, and you, you don't even see my face, but it's me at the gym. And you just see like, <laughs> it's just like a, a treadmill and, and the TV screen and me talking about the news. Like that's pretty much what you see. But um, yeah, there's, there's certain things like I, when it comes to my personal life, I just don't go there. Like, I know some people will share like pictures of their kids and stuff like that. Like on Twitter, I would, nah, <laughs> nah, not, not in this space because you already are a target because you're not a part of the status quo, like Democrats. Right. So you're already a target in that sense. And then on top of that, now people see who your kids are and then people could come after your kids. And so like, for me, like, I'm just, I'm very, I try to be very careful about that. Right, right, of course. And the the wedding picture, if you were invited to that wedding, you didn't know Mary Wilson was there, You, I, I would think that you wouldn't take that picture. You'd be going somewhere else, knowing how bad that would look. To I wouldn't have taken any pictures. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> be out the back door. <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you, I really don't. I, nah, man, I wouldn't have taken any pictures. I've just been like, congratulations and, you know, have fun and yada, yada. But, but I don't know them either. So that's the thing. But no, I wouldn't have taken any pictures. I'm one of those people like, what? I may take pictures. Like if I go to a port on the ground and I'm covering a rally or something like that. But other than that, I am invisible. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but that's but that's just me. But I, I hear where people are coming from. Noel, what's your take on this? Um, first of all, good evening, everybody. I think you know to Brent's point that there is a look of impropriety, um, because at this point, you know, in independent media, people are trying to sort out exactly what roles the podcasters are playing. And some of them have worked to cast themselves as more journalist entities than activists or commentators. So I think it is appropriate to 
make those relationships now be transparent about it so that people understand that your critique or lack of critique of a certain political candidate um, will be within a context and they can judge for themselves whether they believe you are biased in favor of that candidate or not. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this was um, made possible by Kyle and Crystal and um, I would think they would have thought these things through and they weighed it out and they made a choice and, you know, they invited Marianne or Marianne made herself available to officiate and they all thought it was a good idea. So um, as far as I am, my personal consideration is, um, like Brent suggests, I think there should be some disclosure and like you've suggested that um, Crystal and Kyle have been, you know, forthcoming about their rapport with Marianne Williamson. So for me, as long as they've been transparent about it, that's it for me. It makes sense to me that people who work in a certain genre and get to know each other might get to the place where they invite each other to each other's weddings and personal events. You know, that's a part of working in the same industry. Some people you get to know, some people you'll be close to, and some people you won't. But the politicians cross a line for me because they are endeavoring to represent the public or a certain constituency. And whether or not your reporting or your commentating is biased becomes an issue. Other than that, you know, it's, and it's just not a big deal to me in the arena that we live in. So, you know, and, and, you know, this whole thing about the independence, I think there should be an, a look and an appearance of independence so that it edifies, you know, your work, especially for people like Brie and um, Crystal, because they cast themselves more as journalists, more so than commentators. But you know, and then I saw the piece they did today, um, and it was kind of off-putting for me because there was definitely an aloof type of sentiment that um, I gathered from the way they were talking. It almost seemed as if, you know, they were, you know, indignant that people would, you know, critique them about this and you know um and it, it just came to me that was almost as off-putting as them you know being in at the wedding or whatever and taking pictures or what have you because it was like it almost had an elitist air like oh the plebeians are questioning oh should we be able to do this you know and i'm like child please um <laughs> you know i'm like child whatever and, you know, so and then, you know, the truth is based on, you know, the incomes and the backgrounds that those two people have, they probably aren't what we would consider, you know, there's the left, the ideological left, and then there's the working class left for whom these issues of the working class are real. And I think they are more, you know, on the ideological left 
and some of the things that the working class really struggles with comes across as an esoteric treatment for them. You know, it's just something to talk about. So um, that's that's my view on it. But if I can segue back to the Trump town hall. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was, first of all, I think it was not a help for Trump um, because what that was in form wasn't a platform for Donald Trump to do Donald Trump and be as unhinged and untethered and, you know, flipping and brash as he always is. And if you notice, um, Caitlin, I'm like, well, who is she? But she's, you know, the white girl for him to disrespect more and be aggressive with, which resonates towards what um, the writer was saying, Eugene Carroll, and it, it plays well to that core constituency that follows him. But I think, you know, beyond the rating, CNN set this up because they know that it is the independent voters that will likely be swayed one way or the other. And this attitude of, you know, no matter what is said and done, I'm above the law. I can talk to you any kind of way. I can say anything. That unhinged piece is going to be a turnoff in some circles. And I think this is a Pied Piper strategy in a different way. I think the Democrats perceive that because um, he has lost to Biden, um, largely because of his lack of being measured. And now he has this other stuff. I think if it comes down to Biden and Trump again, they're more comfortable with that because they can always allow him to just, you know, say all the other stuff he's going to say. And they know that there is a segment of the Republican Party that is uncomfortable with Trump. But you could see him being more measured around the issue of abortion because he knows that there has been a backlash to the reversal of Roe. So he's going to try and be measured about that because he doesn't want to cross all those white Republican women who might otherwise vote for him. So, you know, in that sense, I saw some growth. But otherwise, you know, he is just... You know, like I say, he is unmoored, and I don't think that helped him with people who are not already deeply in his corner. And so, you know, he says a lot of stuff that a lot of people, particularly white people, would want to say anyway. And he still comes across as, you know, an outsider to the establishment. But it's the same to me. It's that same thread with Tucker Carlson. You know, they have a distinctly, to my viewing, a distinctly racialized approach to things and a bigoted way of framing things. But that resonates to a certain core white constituency in this country who's, you know, afraid of everything. As Chris Hedges said, they feel they've been left behind. They feel like they've been betrayed by the economy, this and that. And they are looking for people to blame. And so, you know, Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump and figures like that will readily blame it on, you know, cast dispersions against immigrants. Oh, the Mexicans coming to take your job. That's a great replacement. Oh, the black people, this blah, blah, blah. And it's the framing that makes these people dangerous. 
because it plays into a psychology that's out there. And then they can sprinkle a little bit of truth and a little bit of fact-based stuff here and there. And people say, well, you know, they had this person on and they did say this and that was the truth. But on the whole, these people's framing is very polarizing. And like I say, I don't think the town hall was a net positive for him, for people who are on the fence about him. And and the question will be, will they be, again, it's going to be a race to the bottom if it's the two of them, because the issue will be, are you more discontented with the direction Biden has, you know, taken in terms of the war in Ukraine and sending all that money there and, you know, not keeping his promises and this and that, and he's old and feeble-minded and everything else, and you place that on one side of the T account and the other side would be Trump and his unmoored, unhinged, you know, lack of discipline. And so that will be the Democrats trying to make you afraid again that the sky is falling and, you know, that core constituency. And the one thing about the Republicans, even the ones who don't like Trump will get behind him in the end. So that'll be the way they split and it'll be the independents who have to come in and largely make the decision. Very well said, Noel. Yeah, people forget about like the registered independents, but ultimately they really helped out Joe Biden in states like Arizona uh, for 2020. So I think that uh, you never know sometimes which way uh, independent voters are going to sway or if they're just going to choose to sit the whole thing out. You, You really never know sometimes. So I think that... That's an important piece to bring up. And you know what? I think this set of cases or indictment that may come out of Georgia, which will come later in the year, will be more of a defining moment because, you know, the E. Jean Carroll thing is one thing. The um, And that's kind of on the light end because it's no surprise. He, you know, he said he grabbed women by the, you know, the kitty cat and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But this, you know, phone call, oh, I need you to help me find 11,000, come on, this and that, that will be, speaks much more to his lack of discipline as a leader and his lack of respect for the rule of law and this and that. And I think that may be a more discriminating issue for independent voters. Yeah, it's really interesting. Both Biden and Trump are corrupt, basically. I mean, you have what both of them accused of sexual assault. I mean, the way that Tara Reid, and I've I've been a huge advocate for Tara Reid and her story, the way that Tara Reid has been basically dismissed or smeared by mainstream media, particularly CNN and MSNBC, it's disgusting. It's really bad. And now you guys, you want to hold Trump accountable for his sexual assault Uh, accusation, but you weren't willing to do the same thing in reference to Joe Biden. And, you know, I I hope the public really sees this and wakes up to this and sees like just how polarizing uh, our media can be. And did you see the piece today where the Congressional Oversight Committee is investigating Biden and they've been looking into his financial records and they're saying, oh, it's a whole gaggle of geese over there to explore where um, apparently the the Biden has and his family members have been setting up these LLCs and things to launder mm-hmm. donations and things through to mass the money. 
and they're going to be releasing what information that they can, but they're going after him and they're saying, oh, he was getting money from Romania. He was getting money from China, this, that, and a third. And they would set up a different, a spinoff type of LLC or what have you based on where the contributions were coming from. But they're saying, oh, it's a whole, you know, like I say, a whole gaggle of geese over there to look at. And that will be interesting because, again, it comes back to, you know, you're getting all this money. You haven't been forthright. And, you know, as the congressman was saying, you know, you can say that Trump is this, that and a third, but at least he had legitimate business interests, you know, whether it be the Trump brand or the Trump Tower or Trump properties, this and that, those were legitimate businesses through which, you know, you may have investments from foreign entities. But the way they were framing this thing with Biden, it's like, oh, you just set up stuff. And, you know, you just set up this, that, and the payments were going from the, the donors, including foreign donors, and the money was being cut out, sent out to family members. So I'm like, for what? That's going to be the issue. What were those family members doing to earn whatever money that was coming out of those, you know, business entities that they just seemed like to Biden set up? Because we never knew Biden to be anything but a congressional representative, vice president, and now president. So what are all these things you've set up? So that'll be interesting. Yeah, wait till I tell you guys the story tomorrow night about what came out about Hunter Biden, too. And I'm not talking about that laptop. Girl, do tell. Yes, ma'am. They already attached him to a sex trafficking ring. Girl, not sex traffic. Yes, ma'am. Girl, now you gonna have to pour us all a cup of tea, honey. And like like they used to say in Alabama, (laughs) girl, you can pour into me because you know I won't leak. (laughs) I'm gonna break all that down tomorrow night because it's so much. I was just like, holy crap. And I found out about it before I went live. And then I was like, oh, well, I can't, I can't do it now because I already had my stories picked and my links and everything set up. And I was like, well, I'm gonna have to cover this tomorrow. But like, wait till you hear that story because that is a doozy. And that's I can't believe going. Hunter would do such a thing. Wait, no, his name <laughs> should not be Hunter Epstein or Hunter Weinstein. <laughs> Let me tell you, Listen, that's why those questions that the commentator was asking Trump, that's why it was funny to me because I, I knew that and I was just like, okay, we're going to ask these questions to to Joe Biden about his son? Mm-hmm. Think of it all, you know, I make light of it in that moment because of, you know, just to add a little brevity to the um, situation. But on par, it, it just says to me, we are in such a bad place. I mean, there are no good options nowhere. And the saddest piece of all is that the vast majority of Americans appear to be, you know, just underinformed and unenlightened and just coasting along. And meanwhile, this this truck, this train is running right off the track. And like Chris Hedges says, when the collapse happens, People are so stunned and taken aback because they've just been so busy not paying attention to the things that really move the society. But, you know, to just think about at this stage in the 21st century, coming to the end of the first quarter, we're looking at a potential rematch between 
a cardboard cutout and a loose cannon. It just makes no sense. <laughs> this is why I'm saying we, we need a new kind of politics, you know, a new kind of movement here, a new kind of left thing that that focuses on money and corruption and, and doesn't focus on these, you know, theater puppet games. But, you know, and, and like we all know, before there is any type of revolution, the first revolution is a revolution in thought. But yeah. we have had such a pervasive collapse or co-opting of the free press media. There's nobody who's really leveling with the American public. Nobody is just trying to tell the whole truth as far as they know it. And the people... That's kind of our job here, right? Yeah, except, you know, a few outlets in the um, independent media genre. But even in there, we see the acolytes who move within the various orbits because they're getting paid or they have big billionaire, you know, donators, uh, funders and this and that. But, the, you know, the people in the regular media like Chris Hedges, Cy Hirsch, Matt Taibbi, these voices have just been muted on for the most part, on most, both sides, when they should be front and center for the That's truth right. they tell and the way they help people reason these things out. Well, I mean, there's stuff happening, you know. I mean, Taibbi got in front of Congress. So, I mean, there, you know, there are opportunities here. So I, I don't think it's all hopeless and lost. But you know, I told you guys. A show like Carlson. I told you guys. I told you guys more names are going to be coming out. I told what I tell you. This is going to be the year of exposing corruption. Watch. Ooh, I'm down for that. We should probably move on, move our cue along. Me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You finished, Brent? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. All right. Let's bring in Neoliberal Tears. What's going on? Hey, guys. Hey, besties. Good to see all of you. <laughs> Um, amazing show tonight, Sabi. Um, even oh, though, thank you. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, I feel like you know. Did you catch? Did you guys catch the part where Trump was like, uh, where Caitlin tried to tell him, um, oh, so you want Ukraine to lose? Is that what yep. you want? You want Ukraine to lose? And he was like, I want people to stop dying. Yep. Like, I hate those fucking moments where like Trump is like running to the left of everyone in the democratic. I just hate these moments. It's like, it's crazy. I mean, you know what? It's almost like Trump sat back and watched what Bernie Sanders did. And was kind of like, Hmm, what if I could use some of those tactics to work in my favor when I run? run It's not that hard to just understand. People don't want to lose their land. Everybody, people know people who went to war or lost somebody or went back from, or, you know, with PTSD or like without healthcare or ended up on the streets. Like I could go on like this. It's not hard. And for whatever reason, we have like, you know, it, it reminds me sort of in, you know, in 2004 when Nancy Pelosi voted against the Iraq war, um, but kind of knowing behind the scenes that it was, you know, it was going to go through anyway. It feels like it, they've, like Republicans and Democrats flipped sides now where, you know, Republicans get to pretend to be anti-war um, and, you know, Democrats are on the other foot. I don't know. It's just sad. They're only, well... 
a part of it is because we have a Democrat president right now, right? Like, let's pretend it was Trump and we had this war with Russia and Ukraine. Although if it was Trump, we probably wouldn't have this war. I will say that. That part's probably true, that we probably wouldn't have the war. Like, he didn't start any new wars, but he continued drone strikes and things like that. So we do have to keep that in mind. But that being said, you know, things could be different. It's an interesting um, question, you know, that, that, that different timeline, you know, if Trump had stayed in. I think we still could have had the war. You know, I, I think you, you you would still have the deep state pushing, pushing, and pushing. It's it's hard to know, but I I think it I, I think it could have still happened. Didn't he have a better relationship with Putin though? Or if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. No, because he he see that that's what they always tagged him with. But he did lots of liberals, stuff. Liberals, that, that liberals, didn't they were want. lovers. Uh, liberals said, you know, like, but, "Oh, Trump, you love." Putin. Yeah, there but was like, this whole thing, thing, but. But if you look at the reality of like the record, I mean, he, he like pulled out of treaties. He, they were like, um, there was a the whole Syria thing that there was basically like a low grade, low grade war that, that Russia didn't like in Syria. So I, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, right. Right, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. He pulled out, but that's a way to criticize him that Caitlin Collins didn't choose. Like she, you know, like, she could have asked him, hey, you pulled out of the INF treaty, which uh, escalated, you know, nuclear use and stuff like that. She didn't. She was like, you know, why do you want Ukraine to, you know, why wouldn't you support this until the end? Like, it's just they're playing into, you know, and a lot of the, the rules, a, a lot of I live in like the rural Midwest and a lot of it feels important for me to say, like a lot of the people I talk to who voted for Trump, a lot of them say like they would start off like you know uh like where i work and stuff they would start off by saying like every politician is corrupt and but but somehow in their logic they end up at getting at you know but at least the republicans aren't as bad or at least trump isn't as bad as x it's it's a lesser evil to them and it blew my mind because it was like wait (laughs) i was told that from a democratic perspective you know what i mean like they have a lesser evil you know, they they don't they don't like Trump. most of them. I think wouldn't pick him. It's just that what are we what are we offering? You know, that's a good question. I really like that question there, neoliberal. Like, what is being offered? And the thing is, if you're not offering anything, then why should people come out and support you? And I think that's a big, you know, why do so many people want to come out and support Bernie Sanders? Look at all the things on his platform that he was offering the people, right? So that's a big thing. Like, what is Joe Biden trying to offer? His offer is let's finish the job. <laughs> please don't oh my god if this has been the job like finishing you're finishing us you're finishing me i'm finished like like the drilling like what are we doing like it's his only offer oh is god. you know yeah but look at the other guy and we're trying to brainwash tiktokers like that's the strategy like jesus Christ. and you know the, and like the sad thing is that when we when there was bernie sanders his message really did have a real populist you know undercurrent in it and he was not liked by democrats or republicans but as long as your offering based on the partisanship is playing to your base then it sounds reasonable to them you know trump paints a picture that his constituency is amenable to no matter how polarized or discombobulated or regressive it is they see it the same with the democrats as long as joe biden rolls out 
some LGBTQ, a little bit of trans over here and blah, blah, blah. And it seems populist. The liberals in his um, corner will see it as reasonable. And it's just, but if you come forward like Bernie did with something that would really help based on class, neither one of them wants you and they'll undermine you. And I believe if someone came through the Republican ranks with that same type of messaging that didn't alienate, you know, immigrants or didn't alienate black people and this and that, I believe the Republicans would do away with them. That's a good point, Noel. That is a very good point. Yeah, they just, you know, they go back and forth. When Bush was in office, you know, Republicans were on board for the war with Iraq. In fact, the Democrats were too. I remember who Barbara was Barbara Lee and I think it was Barbara Lee and Bernie Sanders that voted against it. So it's it's um you had the two big votes. Or, I mean, you had a lot of big votes, but the, you had you had the Afghanistan war and the iraq war and in the afghanistan war my recollection is they were all for it basically except barbara lee like she okay. was the big standout for that and for kind of like some of these war powers things for for the iraq war you know, it was a lot more partisan but you had uh conservative democrats and all the republicans i think went, went along with w georgie bush for that one that's right. That's right. Okay. Thank you so much for that, Eric. Yeah. So we've, we've seen this before. Like, you know, they just, it, again, there was a Republican president at that time and that's what the president wanted to do. So of course the Republican politicians backed like, you know, his choice, same thing with Obama and his involvement in, in Libya, right? The Democrats backed that. So uh, this is one of the problem with the parties. Go ahead, neoliberal. No, I was just agreeing with you out of horror. Yeah, I was uh, bring back horror. Remember, Dennis Kucinich was the only one that was against the Libya war. I mean, and, um, you know, he was in Congress for 16 years and they <laughs> punished him. Like, you know, they kicked him the fuck out. Um, no, no, no. So you don't go against your own party uh, when we're at wartime. Maybe that's yeah. the connection. Like, you know, Republicans are allowed to be against the Ukraine war because they're not in. I think that's a. Yeah. Um, but I had a thought about also, uh, like access journalism, because I think there's a part of me that thinks it's a good, like, it's a good, it's a good thing that like, as an audience, we've been trained to be smart and look at connections. Um, not, not too many, but like, you know, I think, I think it's a good thing that like, when a presidential candidate, uh, takes, is invited to officiate, um, to news people's wedding, like, I think it should be viewed with, with skepticism. Uh, like, you, you know, it, it, like it would worry me, we worry me more if we said, Oh yeah, this is fine. Like, and, and, you know, I think when I think of access journalism, I think on the Wikipedia article, when you Google that term, probably Ryan Grimm's face pops up, you know, cause if you look at, um, his work with AOC, like it, it, it comes through in like his interviews with her and you can see that and the audience can see that. And then they don't want to be lied to at the end of the day. I think I'm where you are at savvy. I think it's fine to have friends and stuff. Um, I just think when you're wearing your journal journalist hat, just make sure you ask tough questions that you would have asked any other politician. Um, if you're choosing to be friends with this person. And as long as the quality of your work doesn't suffer, 
I think that's fine. I think what people are reacting to, and I'm wondering if um, anyone agrees with me, is like, do you guys remember when Nina Turner ran? There was some version of like the commentariat people who were reacting really negatively to any criticism whatsoever of like, why would you even say she should run independent? Why would you even ask that? Like, why wouldn't you support her already? And like, they ended up framing her as like, she's about to win, she's about to win. And she ended up losing by 20 points. So there was a lot of dishonesty in covering Nina Turner. And I think a lot of that resulted from friendship. And I think that is a problem. <laughs> like, that is a problem. Um, so I don't know. I what see do you guys what do? you mean. I, I totally hear where you're coming from. I think, actually, I had just started calling during Nina's second race. And someone did call in from her district and they said, like, no, her ground game wasn't good. And it was the opposite of what I was hearing on uh, left independent media. There was someone hey, in her district. Jordan Cheriton, the only one on the ground. What was he saying? She's so <laughs> close, guys. She's so fucking close. Like, you idiots. Why won't you fucking support her? Like, he was yelling at the camera. Like, he was yelling at people. Yeah, and and that's why. But see, this is why I said this is the thing. If you're friends with them, that's that's why you got to be careful because obviously you're gonna want to root for your friend, you know, and you want other people to support your friend. And this is where it gets really tricky. And that's why I think you know if you in in this business, <laughs> it is it's it's tricky. I think you have to be careful about being friends with politicians if you're working in media or you're an independent journalist or, or candidates. You got to be careful with, because again, like like you said, people are going to kind of look to you and they're going to try to see, you know, like, what is this really all about? Like, are you going to be completely honest with them? Are you going to hold them accountable? Are you going to push back on them? Or are you not going to do that because they're your friend? Now, I will say that I've seen Brie interview Marianne on Rising, and I felt like Brie did not ask the softball question. Oh, no. She <laughs> she followed up. Like, and, and exactly. And and that's why I feel like, yeah, like, as, if you can do that um, and stay friends with somebody, honestly, Marianne should, like, she's running for president, okay? She should be able to take tough questions, like, good faith ones. Like, I wouldn't be mad, you know? I would be like, no, we're friends after this, but when, you know, when we're filming, you ask me whatever voters want to know. You know, I would take that on the chin. I would be, I would, you know. Yeah. And and people will look to you to see if, if you're going to, if you're doing that. Um, and I think, I think what was weird for me, it was just like, based, this is based on what I saw on Twitter, okay? It seemed like more people were upset with people like Bree and Katie and Vanguard than they were with the people who actually invited Marianne to officiate the wedding. That's the part that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. I'm like, um, maybe I, I was they confused were by expected that. more. Like maybe they've, they've given up on Crystal and Kyle, but they hadn't given up on the others. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely think, you're both right. I think it's, I, my issue is just with Crystal and Kyle, to be honest. They're put, they've put a lot of people in a, in, in a weird position. But I think here's the problem with Crystal and Kyle. Like, if, let's say they've, if they had covered Marianne objectively up to this point, 
I think it would have been fine to have a friend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the thing is, is that people are have caught on to the fact they're doing a terrible job covering Marianne. And sometimes it feels like they're trying to manipulate the audience. Like, sometimes it feels like they're strategizing with Marianne about like, oh, I'm going to put this segment out and it's going to back you up and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to, you know, you're, you can call Politico and leak to them that you're about to run. It feels like they're strategizing with her sometimes. Like, oh, and that's boy. what. <laughs> I don't know. Me, me. I mean, that's 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 scary. And I think, that's scary. I, I, I go here. I I just I sincerely hope that is not the case. Um, but I I see where you're coming from, and I do see that this could be problematic. I you know I just I don't know, man. Like I'm just telling you guys, like you got to be careful <laughs> about being friends with politicians. Like it just. You know, there's something in it for them. There's something in it for them. They're not like just going to be your friend just because they think you're cool. <laughs> you know, um, but I think it's 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 really it's really tricky. I think for me, what was really sad though, and Roger and and I I love you, Roger. I think by the time I got that picture from Roger, I snapped. <laughs> I said, if one more person sends me this damn picture, I'm going to scream. <laughs> Poor Roger. That was supposed to, you were supposed to laugh at that. Because <laughs> Lucy sent that to me. And I laughed. I said, yo, check this out. And you went, oh, Hulk mad. <laughs> I did. I was like, I said, if I get one more of these, um, but yeah, it just, oh no, man. I don't know. See, this I'm, is why I don't really put my personal life out there like that. This is exactly why. I don't um, worry about it. It, it, was, it was, I didn't take it really to heart, but I wanted to answer a question um, on Neil Lib. So you said that, hey, perhaps uh, if they would have covered her fairly, it would have been all good to invite, whatever the case is, if they would have covered her fairly, uh, I doubt she would have even said, hey, I'll be glad to officiate your wedding. Um, you always have to understand something, is that it is always, whether they do it consciously or unconsciously, it is always the job of the government and uh, those running for office to be in government to always, um, to always try to get the media on their side. Sometimes, a lot of times, they 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 do it, and I think a lot of times they do it subconsciously. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like a hard. It's you know it's very subtle. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, they they're gonna it, they're always gonna try to work them. You know what I'm saying? Try to work them. Try to try to soften them up. Try to you know schmooze them a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's really done on a subconscious level. You know what I mean? They're always trying to. Oh, okay. Well, you know they're not that bad. You know what I mean? And oh, you know they're all right. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's always the job of the government to do that. Definitely. And like 
people were saying that about Trump, that like people would go on Fox News just to talk to him because he would watch Fox News and like they would basically try to get on to like, <laughs> you know, uh, speak to him. But the reality is all politicians, they watch every segment about them. Even Marianne said the savvy, like, you know, I watched your segments. They watch everything that's being said about them because it's important for them to have a say in how their image is being shaped. They have, they definitely try to cultivate relationships with journalists. And, you know, that's just a general thing. But like, I think, I think for Crystal, like, here's what I mean. Like, if you looked at breaking points and how they covered, um, RFK Jr.'s announcement, which Sabi did, um, you know, she was there on the ground. Um, like some Jordan Sheraton would say. And they, the, you know what they did? Like, and this is, this is what people mean. They played only like, the part where the fire alarm went off, they played like the minute of like the chaos. They were like, let's see a little bit of the speech. And then they played just the, the fire alarm part. They didn't talk about um, any of the things he said about the CIA or the state merger, corporate power, all of that talk, all of those talking points. None of that. None of that. So then, so then it's subversive. People are wondering like, are you using Crystal, your platform, uh, to low-key advocate for your friend who is low, po polling really fucking low. You know what I mean? Like, RFK Jr. is polling way higher. So at this point, if you're covering the news fairly, it can feel like you're messing with your audience or you're trying to play tricks. And that, that I feel like that's the dishonesty. Like, it, it, like, if Crystal went hard on Marianne and said, look, her foreign policy is terrible, she would have cred. Like, people wouldn't care. You know what I mean? I see. I totally see what you're saying. I think that for me too, like looking back on it, what if, let's pretend, what if Marianne decided not to run after all? What if she actually did not run? Do you think people would have gotten behind RFK Jr. instead? I'm just curious. Wow. I mean, I'm from Kyle's perspective, I mean, you have to get subs somehow. Um, I think it's a very different base. I it's, I don't know. I don't know that they, I don't know that someone like Hal Kalinske believes anything. Cause like, he doesn't really, like, even when he talks about Medicare for all, it's, it's always about like his personal story. It's never about like, you know, there's no urgency there in terms of there's like, also, okay. There's, there's also a whole group of them that, that won't touch RFK because of the back stuff and because of the COVID stuff. That's unfortunate. Um, it's a big deal, I think, for a lot of them. Well, but, but that's part of your job. Like, you know, it, it would be like, it would be like me choosing, they, they touch Trump, you know, like, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just, uh, yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate, you know? You know, I, I feel like a lot of this, there should, I, I feel like there's really a baseline question here, like, do you believe that both parties represent the same billionaire MIC mega corporate interests and don't and don't represent us? Or do you think that the parties are significantly different and you know and, and this candidate can go in and really get something done and whatnot? Like like to me, like there's a core line there. Yeah. And and I feel like, you know, you and RBN and, you know, a lot of people in our space are on one side of that line and a lot of the other people and, and people jumping on with Marianne and frankly, people jumping on with RFK, it, it puts you on the other side of that line. 
Yeah, I, I totally see what you mean. Um, Maybe we should be framing things that way, you know. Um, the uh, oh, so what you so we used talking about before. I didn't see the the, the Trump thing because you know I'm not really that invested in, in the presidency too much, even the federal. But the other thing he was talking about that happened right near me regarding um, George Santos. So where um like when you when your show went off i was watching a little bit of uh emmy emmy goodman and he was she was talking about the the arrest and all that stuff right and i was seeing that um what's his name the speaker roger (laughs) say what happened why are you watching that democracy now anymore they're old news (laughs) (laughs) sabby no i watch everything everything yeah everything to you better you than me Well, I'm not as bad as KC. He watches uh, MSNBC and all that stuff. I, I at least come, you know, bring it down, notch, whatever. Shout out to KC. I see you there, baby. Um, what what do you call it? Uh, so the speaker was talking about how um, he's too afraid to. Uh, well, the speaker didn't really say it, but he don't want to have him. He don't want to like kick him out of Congress because he needs every vote that he can get because they only have a four vote margin, four point margin. And most of that is dependent on the Republican, um, the New York Republican congressman, whatever the case is. So how I definitely came to the conclusion that he can't uh, do anything or can't kick him out or whatever the case is, because um, he knows that the Democrat governor, Hochul, will replace him probably. She might have the right to replace him with a Democrat. Really? I didn't realize it worked that way. Yeah, usually usually that's how it works in most states. The, the, um, the governor decides, let's say some person leaves or gets kicked out, whatever the case is, the governor is usually, the governor will put somebody there and then hold a special election for later on. So is Gavin Newsom to blame for bringing Dianne Feinstein back to the, to the Senate? Um... Yeah, I mean, they wheeled say, her back in, Roger. They brought, they wheeled her back yeah, in. Yeah, I know that was that, that reminded me of Robert Byrd, the uh, the guy who gave that you know that old racist that gave the last vote for Obamacare or whatever. Yep. They them back in, but um, I think what no, what it is is the the governor doesn't kick them out. It's when they leave before their term is up, the governor. Um, what do you call it? The governor gets to pick who fills that seat and then says here's a special election that's why when mitch mcconnell um was getting like sick and wobbly and everything whatever the case is he went back to kentucky and had the um republican control state legislature where they where both of them republicans control both chambers okay and they have a democrat governor with andy Bashir. he had them pass like by a veto proof majority like Yo, if I go, pass. Make sure you pass this law that he must replace me with a Republican, because I don't want this Democrat governor replacing me with a Democrat. So unless there's a, a specific, a matter of your state did that, Sabrina, when um Ted Kennedy died, um they put, what do you call it? They they put, it was, yeah, they they put a brother there, and it was like the first brother since what's his name, 
What's that guy? Oh, I forget his name. I forgot about that. I forget his name. Yeah, but there was a you, you guys had a brother who was a Republican. Um, he used to date Barbara Walters. Oh. I think it was, that was the guy that. Yeah. Huh, what? Who, who? What? That was, was it Ed Brooks? I, I forgot who it was. But um, but anyway, you, you the the person that you replaced that. Uh, Deval Patrick replaced Ted Kennedy with was um, his brother named Mo, Mo something. Um, until there was a special election in February of 2010, where you guys ended up with Brown. So you see what I'm saying? So that that's usually how it works. So you know. Oh boy. <laughs> Actually, uh, it comes right back to the issue that Eric was saying in terms of, you know, who these people are loyal to. And, you know, they keep saying because of Barbara Feinstein's or Feinstein's absence, you know, is holding up judiciary appointments and this and that. So I'm like, why won't they just, you know, use the means that they have to pressure her? to go ahead and retire. You know, I'm like, when she has a moment of clarity, they need to be saying, girl, you need to resign before she, cause you know, it's, and I, 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 you know, forgive me for making light of these things, but I'm saying, hell, half of the time, she probably be like, well, who is Barbara Feinstein? <laughs> but it's just crazy. And then on the flip side, you got the Republicans you know, they got this clown in there who's a psychopath and some just habitual liar, but they won't pressure him to resign because they're dependent. So I'm saying the American people are at the very last place in any of these people's concerns. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she yep. trying to wait because she thought Hillary was going to be president so a woman could pick another woman. And now you died and Trump got your appointment. I'm just saying, you know, when do people really put the people first? They don't. First of all, in reference to the Supreme Court justices, I definitely think there should be term limits. This lifetime appointment thing never made any sense to me because my whole thing is like, what are the job? I mean, I'm sorry. I've never had a job that was a lifetime appointment. You know, they could get rid of you whenever they wanted to. Anytime they want to get rid of you, they don't have to give you a reason. And that's the thing, like a lifetime appointment. What the hell is that? It goes back to the colonial days, you know. That's, it's authoritarian as fuck. Like, it's worse than, like, family kingdoms that have dynasties. Like, it's it's weird. Like, I, I, do you guys think, what about election? Like, should we, ele like, elect Supreme Court justices? Because... Where I live, like you can actually elect your judges, like they're they're up for um, elections and then retention. So it it, it kind of goes back to like um, like the original, you know, setting up of these things in 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 the state and the federal constitutions, and and the idea was that you would have these separation of powers and 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 there would be balancing of powers and whatnot. And so the the, the thinking, as I understand it, was that. Yeah, you would have the elected officials and then you would have a, a judiciary and you, you didn't want the judiciary to be under the same pressures and and so forth as the elected officials. 
And so the idea is you would appoint these lifetime appointments to these judges and they would be in there. They would have this one job, you know, for the rest of their life to be a judge. And that would kind of elevate them, separate them from, from the, from the, from the pressures of day-to-day politics. I think that was the, the concept. Um, personally, yeah, I, I think they're, you know, and, and the idea too was people didn't live as long. <laughs> so a lifetime appoint, appointment didn't mean as much <laughs> back then. Um, but yeah, I, I think there should definitely be term limits. I, I feel like the election, like having judges elected is, is to me very problematic. I mean, you end up with, with just, you know, I mean, like but from it's what I've seen, all these appointed. judges. Is having them appointed by the Fed Fed Sock Federal Society is that any better? Like I don't I don't think so. Well, well they're they're appointed by at the state level they're appointed by the governors and and the national appointed by the president by the executive branch and then consent of of the legislature and all that. Ours are elected in Ohio. The Ohio Supreme Court is elected a lot. Mm. Most of the local um, judges, and as a matter of fact, they're all elected as well. Um, And the only time- like a terrible idea to me. The only time the governors get involved is as Roger was suggesting, when there's an unforeseen vacancy, then the governor gets to a point. Um, And we've had that happen here as well. But the issue is that, uh, to what your point was, Eric, in the early years, I think they were trying to shield the Supreme Court from the partisanship of every time we get a new president, he could wipe out that whole slate of Supreme Court justices and put in a whole new slate. So they were trying to shield the court from that so that they from could politics, build. Yeah. yeah, and then they could build a type of record of decisions that were independent of the partisanship and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But what it does speak to when you get down to the bottom line, this whole democratic experience in this country has been rooted in nothing but lies and every even everything they put in the Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence. These people were busy undermining that at Point Go. The only two things that this country in terms of its leadership has been consistent about is the preeminence of capital. And they they gerrymander, they finagle, they do everything. But at the from the beginning up until this point, capital has reigned supreme. And, you know, so no matter what we put in place, you know, and I hate to sound nihilist like that because, but it's the truth. It's like, you know, you, you, build the lock and then you give them the key, then they reshape the key and you reshape the lock. And and we just go in these circles and the issues that have plagued this society from the very beginning are still very present with here us today. And that's why I keep saying, oh, it's a plantation nation, because that really is what it has always been. And and that's why I think like it's like there are countries where people run for like judges run for elections like you know they run you have to be like um someone in the chat pointed out argentina and um like noel was saying in ohio it's the same in my state you have to your judges you have to vote for them and they can the thing is is like if they if they're bad there's an accountability mechanism where you get to vote them out you know so having a vote or having people weigh in i think sounds more accountable like like more of an accountability to me than what we have 
with lifetime appointments. I don't. I don't know. Neil, Lib. To what? No, I was saying. I I just want to. I you know, strong agree on, on, you know, basically everything. The, the, the ray of hope, the, the reason why I, I think we, we do have a chance to, to make things better and whatnot is there are some, some things on our side. You know, there is as much as there's censorship and, and all these problems with, with the internet, it is still a huge and, and powerful tool. And I think we saw with the, the Sanders campaign. And I think we saw with the people that came out for the George Floyd protest, despite, you know, the, the, the establishment didn't want all those people coming out for the George Floyd protest. You know, they, they, they really wanted to just tell people COVID scary, scary, stay home, don't come out. And people saw that video of George Floyd's getting murdered and they were horrified and they came out in the streets and whatnot. And, it's, you know, what it says to me is there is potential there. I, I think it's it's possible if you have the right message out there about corruption, about money, about who's on our side, who's not on our side, billionaires versus the rest of us. I, I, I think there's potential there, but it, it's going to have to be a strong, focused, demands-based message. I agree. I agree. It needs to be a way to, like, re-energize especially a lot of the people that were involved in the Bernie movement to fight for this. People type of are movement. hungry for it. They're desperate. Yeah. Especially a lot of people are really angry right now. And by the way, like the George Floyd protest, that was actually the fastest organizing I've ever seen. I've never seen organizing that fast. I mean, within like 24 hours where masses of people were protesting like that was very quick turnaround time and that was all internet by the way that was all online people that were a part of different groups and organizations mass emailed people um mass like posted on facebook twitter etc and said let's get out in the streets and like it the turnaround time was very quick and i know because i received a couple of like those those emails and those social media postings and they said tomorrow be here at such and such time like the turnaround time was very quick and that's why i was just like like that was so phenomenal like to get that many people out as quickly as they did oh uh uh neil lib like is he still there howdy hey hey so you're in ohio right indiana Oh, okay. Well, I guess this would be for Noel. Um, so yeah, they they uh, passed that um, uh, that amendment to go on the uh, ballot this August. Um, Noel, the the one to make it where it's sixty percent for a to amend the Ohio Constitution. So tell you all your peeps in Ohio, right? Vote no in August. Yep, exactly. To, to come and vote against it in August, they're trying to change the uh, super. Um, they're trying to change the ability to ratify amendments into the Ohio Constitution from fifty percent plus to sixty percent. So I'll yeah. tell Misty too. It's voting in August in those special elections is usually low. That's how Nina Turner lost that first go round yeah. to Chantel Brown. Oh, yes, that's right, because yeah. that was a special election. Uh-huh. But she was closer to her in the special election than she was the second time around. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's, it's, I, it's so ironic um, the way politics work, because 
a large part of what the um, de the Democrats for Israel and the, the that Israeli caucus did for Chantel Brown was to vilify Nina Turner by replaying that cut where she said voting for Joe Biden was like eating a half bowl of shit. And, you know, and fast forward to now, you have people saying, oh, yeah, she was right. You yeah. know, voting for him was like eating a half, a whole bowl of shit. And Kamala is like a full cup of piss. But it's <laughs> just, you know, but what That's good what does saying. it do us now? No way. Huh? That's what they're saying now in, in your district? The one that was like, oh, I'm so pissed off. At no, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. And I'm sure some other people share my sentiment because, you know, Biden's popularity within the black community is down because they feel like he has betrayed them and not kept promises. But in the broader context, when you look back, she was right. And the most honest people in this, you know, orbit of black voters We'll have to agree, yeah, she was pretty much right. But, you know, it just shows you how the politics is so upside down and twisted. But the um, the Democratic majority for Israel and that of uh, the APAC got in here with, and they just ran those heads constantly. And because the voter turnout was low, Chantel was able to win. And then in the other thing, when people say, well, Nina Turner didn't run a good campaign, she, from what I experienced during that special election, you know, she started out like some 30 points ahead because, you know, people didn't even know who Chantel Brown was. But um, she focused, to my understanding, more on the suburban areas of the 11th district and the voter turnout that was low in the urban core, which was her, you know, mainstay, if she had really taken the effort and pushed those, she had more than enough votes in the urban precincts that she could have overwhelmed the majority by which Chantel Brown won. But she focused on those peripheral areas as if she took for granted that she would get the urban core. And she did but she didn't get it by as big an amount as she could have. And if they had really turned out in the urban core, there were enough votes uncast that she could have won. And then a part of the 11th district includes a um, area in this location that is heavily Jewish. And they came out in droves for Chantel Brown because they didn't like Nina Turner's position on Israel um, because she had a type of qualification to her position on Israel saying, yeah, Israel has the right to defend itself, but so does Palestine. And that's when it was just over for her. So they came wow. out in droves for Chantel. But again, there were enough uncast ballots in the urban core that they could have overwhelmed, you know, the Jew, the heavy Jewish vote that came out of the Beachwood area. Um, a certain I'm not going to say the podcast's name, but the one, you know, who came back and went went batshit crazy because nobody was supporting Nina, did not, or should I say, chose to overlook who Nina put in her campaign, which was uh, John Weaver and Bakari Sellout Sellers. Yep. So when Noel talks about Nina, uh, Jeff to, Weaver, right? 
Yes. So when Noel talks about that, she went to the to the suburbs. Yeah, that was all Jeff and and Sellers in her ear. Just like we've seen when the moment that when AOC got into Congress, she kicked out. I can't pronounce the guy's name. Chaka Chabate or whatever his name is. And uh, and what's his and uh, Trent Corbin Trent or something like that because they was kind of like kind of rowdying, kind trying to you know stir stir shit up a little bit. So she replaced them and replaced them with people that used to work for Kamala Harris, and I forgot the name of the Middle Eastern guy that she that she put in her thing. I think it was Matt Dust. I forgot who it was, but um, it's who you put in your campaign, you know, that's going to determine. You know, but just going back to Feinstein for a second. So when you was talking, I had I had texted uh, my man who's part of uh, NIPAN, you know, New York Progressive Action Network. I was like, hey, listen, next time, see if you can get another meeting with, with Chuck Schumer. This way, you know, like you guys can ask him, what the hell's going on with Feinstein? Are you going to kick her out already or, or what? Or whatever, you know, or, or if not, invite me on. I'll ask him. But he was just like, Chuck got realistic reelected. I'm sure he won't be having any meetings with anyone anytime soon. <laughs> so I said, okay. Isn't it crazy, Roger, that nobody like, there? Were, he was just reelected for a six-year primary. Like, I, just I didn't know. Look, look at me. I, I did not vote for that guy. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I, no, no, I'm not I, blaming you. But, I like, Democrats are talking about like, we need to primary, we need to do the inside strategy, inside outside, we need more uh, progressives to run. Didn't they, they buried that primary. Nobody, nobody ran against Schumer. AOC kept it quiet. Hakeem Jeffries kept it quiet. They just sailed right into it. And not, you know, many, maybe people, he... not many people even mentioned Diane Sayre interviewed her. Like I interviewed her, Jimmy Dore interviewed her. And she was the independent in, in the race. And people want to talk about ending this war. I don't listen. I don't agree with Diane Sarah and everything. She came on, and I did not agree with her stance on abortion. We did not agree on all the issues. But for the people who really want to stop these wars, that is one of her big things that she wants to do. So it was really interesting to me that people just reluctantly was just like, "Okay, let's vote for Chuck Schumer again." I'm like, "For what?" Chuckles. Um, and for six years, they got nothing. What What did AOC get out of it? Yeah, like, you know, what What did they, from not primarying him, even just she, for fun? She probably, she probably got a committee assignment. <laughs> that's going to help. That's going to help so many people. I'm so glad. She's not, really she not really trying to help people. Like, AOC is all optics at this mm-hmm. point. But, you know, she's not really trying to help anybody. She's out here now on mainstream media telling people, you know, what network should and should not say, like she's calling for censorship. The platforming works. Well, so check I, this out I, though. This, you, the, she has another chance, uh, Sarah, cause she's running against Gillibrand next year. So I'm, you know, just giving everyone a heads up. So, you know, check it. That's interesting. That's interesting. Gillibrand was one of the people that co-signed on the restrict act, by the way. Talk man, fuck my life. Oh yeah, she's using that against her. Ugh. Yeah, she definitely should. Can you guys believe this woman ran for president? Could you imagine? Well, 
Oh my god, we it's like we've been cursed with like the most epiclectic like group of. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. But she was for Medicare for all for a period, right? Like to, uh, for 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 pretend. Like I for, thought, so. definitely for pretend. It's all part <laughs> of the game. I miss those days. I miss those days when we could actually be Medicare for all powerfully. Um, but like I, I also remembered um, when you guys were talking about Nina and that race. Um, and the access journalism going on at that time. Like, I also remembered, remember when AOC, on the first time, when AOC came to, uh, to rally for her and it was on the same day as the March for Medicare for All. And it was very low attendance. Like, I remember watching it, it just trying to see, like, you know, oh, I wonder what the, what kind of a ground game she has. And it was like very few people and they all looked like Noel was like from suburbia. And I think it matters when you dampen enthusiasm for your campaign. And if you're, especially if you're a journalist, especially if you're an access journalist, you have to cover these people fairly or, and not paint a rosy picture because it can actually hurt the candidate. You know, like they need to be engaged with, um, reality basically. And I saw a lot of dampened enthusiasm for Nina because she wouldn't go, she wouldn't come out for force to vote. She wouldn't, um, you know, march with the Medicare for all people. She could have done something with them and AOC. They could have collaborated, right? They, they didn't, uh, from what I understand, the message that came across from Cori Bush, because Cori Bush did go to the DC march. What she said to one of the bank sisters was that, just to let you know, we don't agree with what you guys are doing. So that was the message that came across is that they didn't agree with it. How can you not agree with Medicare for all? Like you got elected because of like, you know, we, we campaigned for you. Mm-hmm. Not supposed, that you're not supposed to fight for that. When the president is a Democrat. Yeah, it, exactly. Like Cori Bush actually had the nerve. First of all, the audacity, you show up, uh-huh. which is great. So you're supposed to be there in support. And then you say, we don't approve of what you guys are doing. Stay your ass at home. <laughs> Did you see um that her uh 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 her husband there's like a lot of like payments that she made to him as like her security guard and stuff like that. It's a whole thing. This it's, is you know, know what? Politicians are not supposed to be celebrities and I really hate the fact that I feel like social media has really made some of these politicians celebrities and that's a big part of the problem. We're not supposed yep. to celebritize uh politicians. Period. And once you start doing that, they they feel like you've put them on a pedestal and they feel like they can't be touched. AOC is one of those people right now. As much as she complains about how people attack her and she gets death threats or whatever, she likes the attention. If she didn't like the attention, Mm. she wouldn't be on Vogue covers. She wouldn't be on like in Time magazine, all these different magazines and stuff like that. She likes the attention. She was just on on MSNBC, like just did an interview, I think, about the, the Trump Tom town hall. I think I saw, I think I saw Kit played on his show in the interviewer. Oh, I can't remember her name. One of these MSNBC Kate something? women. Nah. And, 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 and she's, she, she like started it off with, Oh, and it's such an honor to talk to you. Congresswoman. Yep. See, I, I told you, like, it, it, let me ask you guys a question. When you were growing up, did you know, all of the names of these politicians the way you do today? Because I didn't. No, it's reality TV now. It's, they're all trying to get their spot in the limelight. 
and make a brand for themselves. And I think it's really obvious. Like I also see that an interview with Glenn Greenwald back in 2018 and yep. on the intercept. And she said, then I just looked at it back today. Cause I was like, I remember she said that she said, Trump, you know, like we need to focus, like the way we get rid of Trump is by creating policies that help more people. That's how we beat, beat Trump. That's how we, we, we have systemic solutions to all of these issues that he, that, that gave rise to his, uh, him in the first place. And now she's trying to like ban CNN or fire Caitlin Collins. Cause like they platform Trump and they didn't dunk on him enough. Like yeah. it's just such a, like she's a liar. And they, like, that's why I think she's dangerous because she's, she really has no moral center. Like she, and like, she also, Actress. like, I think she wants to just discipline. It's worse. Like she disciplines people on the left. Like she ices journalists out. Like she wants criticism of her to be silenced like I, that's i in, think her in case yeah. study qb's got it in the chat here yeah that was his clip too so so uh bravo Thanks. to case as oh, usual yeah, shout out. um but it was uh, alex wagner was the interviewer yeah and I'll, I'll say here too there was something else that she posted um on twitter and i retweeted it she said cnn should be ashamed of themselves they have lost total control of this town hall to again be manipulated into platforming election disinformation, defenses of January 6th, and a public attack on a sexual abuse victim. And I retweeted her and I said, where was this criticism of networks platforming public attacks of sexual abuse victims when Tara Reid came forward about Biden? Hello, somebody. Hello. Like it's it's she, she, like yeah, I I mean I I'm I, I'm I think uh, like it's important for us on the left uh, to point out that like we are not like her, <laughs> like you know that this is because it's not gonna get rid of Trump, you know, like because now they're trying to shift the conversation into like Democrats feel like they like the the, the optics are bad from the Trump thing, so they're like let's blame it on CNN platforming, let's blame it on uh cnn let's blame it on caitlin like and, and i just think it's not a it's not gonna work like you beat trump by like with the arguments with policy with substance and aoc knew that when she ran so yep i but no, i've been no. too long thank you guys thank you so much thank you so much neoliberal tears let's bring in jenny hey guys what a great conversation. It's Jenny from the block. <laughs> Jenny I saw from a picture of uh, J-Lo and Ben Affleck earlier today. And I saw a video of them yesterday. Ben does not look happy. Poor Ben. Aww. Not That's too bad. happy at all ever. Mm-mm. You can see it all over his face. Like you ever look at someone and you can see it all over their face that they're just not happy. They look miserable. That's what Ben looks like right now. Yeah, I think so many of our artists are really suffering. But... So my favorite moment at the CNN town hall was when Trump mentioned the name of E. Jean's cat. Did, did, mm -mm -mm. You, did you catch it? I missed that part. Is it her pussy cat? You didn't catch uh, the, cat the cat named. She named Who's her gonna cat. Who's going to say it? <laughs> vagina. Seriously? You didn't hear that part, Savvy? 
No, I missed that part. No, Kit was all over that part. The memes today were so funny. I swear that's why he said it out loud was just just for the memers so, so they could go troll. It's a true story. So, yes. It's well, so confirmed. for those who didn't see it, I'll just set, set it up. There was she was hitting him about the 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 case where they they got the civil suit against him, and then he was trying to knock down the, the accuser, basically trying to paint her as as kind of a wacko and whatnot. And and he said that the accuser was saying racist things. I, I didn't even catch it all. And then she said, and then he said, um, and, and she had a cat that she named Vagina. She had a cat named Vagina. What? And then he went on with other stuff. And <laughs> that's what he said. And it was Kit very posted, funny. And then Kit posted the meme, you know, thank you, CNN, for a cat named Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> L'entendre of the pussy cat being named vagina. <laughs> it was very funny moment. I should put a link in the chat to her Twitter proving that that is the name of her cat. She tweeted it out. And he was just he was just trying to make the case that she was a racist. She called her former husband who happened to be a black broadcaster on the news. She called him an ape publicly what? and Trump Trump and his team tried to get this evidence submitted to the judge that she had said racist and weird sexual things. And the judge wouldn't allow that, but he allowed all this junk about Trump to be presented in the, in the court. And so I was glad he was pushing back because I felt like the media has been so one-sided on the reporting of this case. And like you said, Sabby, they cannot be bothered to interview Tara Reid. Nope. You know, and then here's Trump on CNN trying to de defend himself. I was glad he did it. I mean, it was definitely, you know, who wants to say that word out loud, especially in a political forum? But he did it, and it, it ended up being, I thought, actually kind of funny. So let me bring in Joe. Joe, come on in because I know you got to leave. Let me bring you in real quick. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, coming in okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to make all of you hate me real quick. Um, so I'm a candidate and I'm here to say every last one of you who is in this chat, every last one of you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it absolutely wrong. Um, as independent lefty journalists, allegedly, you're doing it wrong. And as a candidate, I can say that. Okay. What are okay. we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm not so, a lefty. Okay. Regardless, I stand each and every one of you in here. So, uh, I have again. I am a candidate. I have officially pulled papers. Each and every one of you can Google the hell out of me. My name is Joseph Rubino. I live in Worcester, Massachusetts. Address is two twenty four Park Avenue. A 1609. It's all public information. I am a legitimate candidate, and I am here to tell you you are all doing this wrong. If you were all serious, each and every one of you would be in here in queue to discuss your local politics and the issues searching for is solutions. Okay. 
Otherwise, you're all just in here jacking off to geriatric WWE. Okay? Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. That's what I've been listening to all night. Well, the topic of the, the show is Trump's town hall. That is the yeah. topic. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Um, but I, I'm not saying I'm better than any of you. I'm, I'm not. Um, but I'm on the ground. I'm putting myself out there. I'm actually kind of making some progress. And you know what? I'm not doing it through either party. Okay? I'm not taking any money. Okay? Yes, exactly, Lysol. Why aren't you all running? Okay? Jump on that fucking grenade. Okay, if you're all so serious. Okay? I'm 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 not kidding. Um if like if you have solutions, get out there. Pay attention to your local city council. There's so much shit happening on your local level that you don't even know about probably. Okay, I'm finding that out as I'm running for city council. There's so much shit happening here. Okay. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So okay, I always I, talk about. I know you do. We should, and a lot of you are thematically correct in a lot of ways. I will give you that credit. So I want to pivot to the positives. Okay. I want to. A lot of you are thematically correct. And I think there are a lot of solutions in what you've been discussing. So I'd like to pivot to the positive, if I may, to try to win you back and to prove Roger wrong. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to tell you like it is, okay? Um, thank you, Terry. Uh, thank you. That's incredibly brave of you. You're, I know you are local to me relatively. I know there are others that are local to me that I've reached out to personally for help in this chat. Okay? Personally. I'm not going to name names. But you know who you are. Are you noticing any increased traffic on it anywhere? I said I wouldn't name names, but that should be pretty specific. Um... Again, no, I'm sorry. go ahead I... and name names. You hear? Bring it out. Okay, fair enough. So again, I'm not running using. I'm running using no money whatsoever. Okay, I have one sign, and it was it was donated to me by local artists. Okay, somebody I grabbed a yard sign from Betsy, who had one lefting left over from a previous campaign that she kicked ass in. Betsy is hardcore. I'm not even kidding you guys. Like, she is a... Okay, tangent. She gave me this sign from a previous from a previous campaign. All right? Brought some, some local artists that I've been talking to because I have no money. Here's the weapon. Okay? Everybody, okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting really off topic and going on tangents. But... The solution to capital and the immeasurable amount of money that they have to wield against us. So far, what I have found in my lived experience is art. As stupid and as silly as that sounds, it is art. And again, speaking on thematic 
like, like being thematically correct. Noel earlier spoke about how we're a plantation nation. Remind me, Noel, please. How did they organize back then? How did they organize? On art, right? If I'm not mistaken. That's 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 how they organized. Oh yeah, communities. a lot of the artists art. participated in support. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So again, thematically correct. We need to be using art. We are capable of creating priceless things, and they have capital. These people want to be as cool as us. This is what I'm finding out. We can create things that they cannot afford because it's priceless. They wish they were as cool as us. Do you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to a Caribbean party that I found out about because another candidate who also kind of sees the same way that I do tipped me off to it. Um, and you know where it is? It's at a low-income project housing area where no other candidate goes. It's a, it's a lane that they are passing up. And you know what? I only need to get 100 signatures to do this. Go ahead, Dave. All right, I'll leave. All right. Block me if you want. What is happening here? Joe, I'm sorry. What, what, what is the point that you're, you're trying to get to? If, if you're all serious, then freaking do something. Like, find out what your local politics are. Like, get involved in them and come here and source ideas. I know it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry. You yeah. said I was wrong about something. I'm trying to figure out exactly what I was wrong about. Uh, let's see. I think I took a note. Oh, no, no. I, I said thematically correct. The internet does connect us, and it's an immense tool because I'm reaching a lot of people right now, okay? All of you are subjected to listen to me, unfortunately, until I'm either blocked or I leave. Um just just a little bit of word of advice, Joe. Yeah. If you're running for office, it's probably like if you are if you are running for office, um, it helps to be a little bit more positive. I know. And okay. I'm that's the message that I'm trying to carry locally, but like I, I'm just What are you running for again? City council. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to organize the people that the other politicians have ignored using ideas that I got here. So to tune in to a call in, and I know there's a specific topic, but like it's frustrating to hear people distracted by, like, we know who these people are. We know who Donald Trump is. We know who Joe Biden is. We know who RFK is. We know who Marianne Williams is. We know who all the podcasters are. We know what they're going to do. There's so little point in focusing so much energy on that when we could be using the technology we have um, to source ideas and, like, affect local politics. Like... 
Roger, you're so right there, man. Like you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, and you're incredible. All of you are. Um, but I think that it could be directed a little bit better. Yeah. So I think we do both, right? Yes. Yes. Do both. We can do both. So, yeah. I, guess I think she it. meant, I think we do do both. Right. But a lo- I think we can be doing more. All of us can okay. be doing more. I, look, um, Joe, I get on here all the time since. I know you do. The, I don't know how many months. I know I'm you like, do. Look, there's a lot of people in this that come here all the time that live in citizen ballot initiative states. Yes. You don't even have to run for office. You could go right. You can go right around the government and been like, you know what? Let's let's start what, this. What good does it do if everyone's getting their funding through Act Blue though? Because they got to well, play okay. by their rules. I, I didn't say anything Act about Act, Act Blue. But like, if all the candidates on the slate and the only people who make it to the ballot are people who are getting funded through Act Blue, then what does it matter? I, I didn't say anything about Act Blue. That's that's for running candidates. I was talking about. When I get on here, I'm always talking about running initiatives. I know, okay. and they're good. Good initiatives are great for the states to have. Yeah, them. so that has that has right. nothing to do with Act Blue. No, yeah. but I, I'm saying what I'm seeing on the local level running, it does not matter who. It doesn't matter as long as it, again, Eric's right. Uh, as long as there's money in politics, we're all fucked. Right. So that goes back to fighting for a ballot initiative where you can, you know, have. How can you do that if if the state house is stacked with people who are all getting funded through the through Act Blue, which is a pack? Go ahead and look at their website. It's it's a pack. They'll they'll deny it up and down. But you dig deep enough and they're a pack. For me, it's it's the assumptiveness that we're not doing anything. So we're telling a few jokes about the CNN town hall and you think that that's all we are. I spend hours every day working on local politics yeah, with several great. different organizations. So don't judge me. No, I'm yeah. So, so, let, me, me, Jenny. so, so, so let me, let me say this. Um, also, um, as far as I want, when it comes to big money, it's going to take a U.S. constitutional amendment to stop it, okay? So what I suggest we do when it comes to big money, instead of looking at stopping big money, look at how we're going to boost grassroots money to be competitive with big money, okay? So you can have, um, you know, uh, have something like matching funds or uh, democracy vouchers, Okay, so if you had matching funds, I know New York City has matching funds. You know, oh, this is where it gets real crazy, Roger. So we based our public financing after yours because when we passed it, I'm like, oh, well, this got got some loopholes, but it's better than what we had before. And then I looked at the Massachusetts one that I had um, sent to Eric some time ago. I was like, oh, this is where we got it from. Okay, but if you have a if you have something, okay, so I. It's going to be a while before we stop big money. So let's boost grassroots money, right? So you can have different brackets. I always said a matching system of any donations. So they consider grassroots 
either like federal $200, a maximum of $200. Now in New York state, $250. Okay. I always said, have a matching system of if you donate less than $10, have the government match it a hundred to one. If it, if you donate, um, from $10 to $50, have the government match it 50 to one, 51 to a hundred, um, 20 to one, 100 to 150, 10 to one, 150 to 200, um, eight to one and six to one for 200 to 250. This way, most of the money is coming from those who are donating the least this way. Okay. Most of the money came from like people who hardly have money. That's going to, um, elevate their priority. I'm glad you asked Tillin it. I've actually been having to figure that out through the quagmire of OCPF. So I don't know what that is, but it they, sounds like network protocol to me. Uh, you, okay, so it's the Office of Campaign and Finance. Anyways, it's basically the people. It's it's the people to make sure that you're not spending money from an election irresponsibly or in stupid. Got it. Basically, just anyways. Regardless. It's a it's a pretty big deal. So, anyways, I Joe, you sound you sound pretty flustered. And, I am. I am. Flustered. Yeah, it's so. So here's the thing. I think that we need to, you know, find a way to push forward a ballot initiative to publicly finance elections, which we can do. We can do that. Well, you you actually have one, but I think it only applies to state to those who serve in state government. So, but here's the thing no, though, like, it, but, go ahead. It's we're overcomplicating it though, because we have the structure to do exactly what Rogers said. They've given us that through the OCPF. We just got to get clever with it. Okay. We have to play their game. Unfortunately, it's gross, but you can move stuff around through in-kind donations to local candidates to help them with resources. An in-kind donation is basically something that's not money or whatever. It's not money, but um, anything tangible that they can use for the campaign. And you, somebody can donate that to a nonprofit and a nonprofit or party can donate that to a candidate and it would, and it's just theirs. So it's, I don't know, it can be done. Okay. So Joe, what, what, what would you like for us to do? What do you need from us? Study up on the OCPF, look at how they move around money using nonprofits and the PAC system that they've set up specifically for act blue i think that we can utilize the tools that they've given us and create something similar in structure and use it for a benevolent cause all right sounds and good i know it's again it's crazy perhaps but look into the ocpf try it and just see what we can find out about that and if that Theory has any legs, and I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, great. Um, Bye, let's let's go ahead and 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 bring back in Jenny.
Jenny, you just have to unmute. Okay. Thanks. There yeah, I did want to bring up other, one other issue about the town hall, and I think it's really important. Uh, the moderator spent several questions trying to get in Trump's face about January 6th. Is he going to um, pardon the people who were arrested? She came back to that several times. And the, the question she asked that I thought was the most important was when she asked him about Mike Pence certifying the election. And she got right in his face, you know, Pence said that he was in danger and Trump was like, no, he wasn't in that much danger. Well, you know, are you going to step back from what happened and admit that there was no fraud? He said, absolutely not. I know there was fraud. And he said he never should have certified the election. He should have sent the results back to the states so they could do their own independent investigations as over a hundred Congress people were requesting that morning of January 6th. That's what should have been done. And she just kind of poo-pooed it. And I was like, you know, this is the crux of the issue. This is why we had January 6th. This is why people are so upset about what was being reported about the election, that there were over a hundred Congress people who said, we want to do an investigation. And per the Constitution, they're supposed to suspend everything and go back and look at things if there's a question. And so um, I look forward to this being further explored by somebody in the coming weeks and months because, you know, I watched that 2000 Mules documentary put together by Dinesh D'Souza, and it was so compelling about how they did the voter fraud with the ballots. You know, they had these mules who went from ballot box to ballot box, eight, ten ballots ready to go, shoved them in the box and took off and went to the next one. They were able to track this using government data, satellites and video cameras, proving that this type of voter fraud took place. Did you guys ever see that that documentary? I haven't seen it. I'm not sure if anyone else um, up here on the panel has seen it, but I'll I'd check really, it out. I love documentaries. Yeah. 2,000 Mules, I'd really encourage everybody to watch it. You can find it online for free. Denise D'Souza is a long-term conservative activist. You probably heard of him. And he um, he put this movie together, and it didn't get much play. You know, it was kind of, kind of um, hidden away. But if you watch that, you get a sense of how organized this fraud was and how it hit across the whole nation. And so... Um, it was kind of a game changer for me to just see that and then consider the implications of what they claimed. So I'd encourage everybody to watch it. And then, um, you know, the goal to me is not to necessarily relitigate 2020 and the fraud where we're, where we're at, but what can we do to make it better for 2024? That's what, that's what I think we should be talking about. Jenny. Um, I definitely don't trust the elections, but to be honest, I don't trust Dinesh either. Um, he had, he, I seen a lot of stuff in the past of, I mean, yeah, you might say like, oh, that has nothing to do with it or whatever, but I seen a lot of things that he said about black people, um, uh, calling us animals, all different types of craziness. You know what I mean? Not saying that, like I said, a person can be terrible and be right on some things. I mean, I'm seeing this, just just the whole thing with the elections and all that different type of stuff. I see this as karma because I seen the same, the people um, who are pissed about what happened to Trump in 2020 are the same people that, well, maybe not the same people, 
but it's the same party that looked the other way in 2000. You know what I'm saying? Because I could I could say both were were uh, uh, not honest elections. You know the whole things with what do they call the the Brooks Brothers riots when they tried to stop when they was trying to bully the election counters in Florida from to stop counting the votes and all that different type of stuff. Yes, the hanging chats. I remember it well. Yeah. So I mean, and now like the thing is, and that's why I want to get rid of these parties because what happens is people get so dishonest. You don't really know who's really being um, genuine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just like it's it's like the toughest thing is when they mix some truth in with some partisanship, with some dishonesty. You know, I mean, just like when um, what's that guy, James O'Keefe, uh, uh, doctored and edited the uh, video about um, Shirley Sherrard. You know what I mean? So. It, he definitely got bit on that video. There's no question. You know what I mean? So, like, if you got caught with that, well, what else did you slide by that nobody else didn't notice? And it all comes well, down to I partisanship. I you think know that I mean? Sherry Sherrod thing was kind of a honey trap for the whole conservative side of things. You know, you had Glenn Beck jumping all over that and others saying CEC and then come to find out, you know, she was saying some really good things at that meeting. I remember, you know, mm-hmm. so... The, the, the the activists on the right definitely got played a little bit, I think, by that situation because uh, everybody jumped immediately to try and prove that she was a racist against white farmers. But, you know, again, I'm looking to the future. I'm looking to how can we make our elections fair? At the end of the day, that's all Agreed. I care about. I want to know that the people voted for the people who are in power and not some corporation or somebody who's got a really, really slick campaign going for, for voter fraud. And Dinesh put the video together, but it was truly Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote who compiled all the data. And I trust her. So but she went to, she went to jail to protect a source. Here's the thing, though. Donald Trump had ample opportunities in the courts to bring forth evidence that there was malfeasance going on. And he failed to do it. And so at some point, you know, and then like Roger says, we go back to 2020 when the U.S. Supreme Court gets involved and you have now records from Sandra Day O'Connor saying, you know, admitting that she was somewhat biased or partisan in her decision. But we have a hyper partisanship in this country and it is not serving the masses at all. And well, so, you Noel, know, Noel, Noel, did you see the Facebook post by Ruby Freeman bragging how she had helped her daughter cheat? I saw them, you know, she's but someone my, who, who went and testified. But what is the point? You have cheating on both sides. And so my thing is, until we approach this whole dynamic and demand some responsibility and accountability from the system, you know, we're never going to get, you know, anywhere. Everything comes from this partisan angle. You know, you came, when you first came on, you were talking about the E. Jean Carroll thing and you said, oh, you know, Trump was trying to make it clear that she had called her first husband an ape or this and that. I'm sorry. If you are a woman and somebody does something to you, it doesn't matter that you are a racist or anything of that. What matters is he violated you. So let's not muddy the water on things. And well, that's not. 
That's was, not a legitimate concern. What her cat name is, what she called her husband. The issue is we're not to re-victimize the victim. You get your I, day in court. And you totally and that's not that. to say that racist women can't be raped. They can be raped too. I I question that he did anything to her. It was he said, she said. And, the and they had not, their day in court. And yeah, a jury court, of nine of his peers found him culpable for sexual battery and whatever the other thing was, diminishing her, defaming her character, what have yeah, you. She, she's vowed she's going to sue him again because what he said about her last night at the town hall. I don't think he raped her. The court said they didn't think he raped her. And rape is not the issue, but they did convict him for what they felt he did do. And yeah, so and my it's thing he is, said, it's he said, she said, it's That's not he said, said, she said, it's he said, she said, and what the jury said. So yeah, at I some know. point, either we're going to have to go with the courts and you know, here's the thing, you know, and I know we have a history in this nation where black people have gotten a raw end of stick from Emmett Till all the way back and nobody cared. We have had cities that have been burned to the ground and nobody did anything. So for now to be in the 21st century and now it's an issue specifically on Donald Trump, I'm saying, you know, we have a segment of this population that have descended from slavery, never paid reparations. Oh, but that's not an issue. So what I'm saying is this system is flawed, is flawed by design, and it has not been fair to some of us from the beginning. So. Did you, Ga know, did you see Gavin Newsom said no reparations money in California today? Yes, I did. And so what does that mean? After. What does it say about this nation that they know, first of all, we can all agree that slavery was inappropriate and wrong. We know that there has been no reparations, but nobody is up in arms but the descendants. So how can you say, oh, we're a nation of just and laws and this and that, but you know this segment of the population has been you know, pissed on since the very beginning. And where is the sense of justice? Where's the sense of justice for the people in Rosewood and Tulsa? And, you know, it's, it's like, it just, it, it, it really just breaks me up the way people pick and choose what about justice. And we can look back and, you know, people just don't want to deal with those things and it's she sheed and poo pooed away. But there's been injustice all over the place. And if Trump has suffered some minor injustice, oh, well, this is the system that he has abided by and played along with for his whole term. And so, you know, it's tragic. But where do we start? At some point, we have to start dealing with the truth of what this nation really is and has been and still is. We still have them the Supreme Court turning around some of the voter rights legislation. We still have heavy duty gerrymandering so that these districts are on both sides. So, and, and I don't care what happened on January 6th, those people had no right, no legitimate right to be going inside the Capitol and busting windows in. So it's like, you know, even if they felt something was wrong, there is a process to do it. But you get to go and bust in the Capitol and tear up creation and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And people look past that. And he's sitting on TV talking about, oh, yeah, I'll probably pardon some of them. But some of them may have gotten out of hand. And I'm saying, huh? 
this is just the system is just too too distorted and this and it really like i say it really troubles me because i see that we as an electorate still aren't willing to come to that table and reason with what really is going on on both sides up and down up and down the line he specifically mentioned black lives matter and antifa (laughs) activists who were arrested and then immediately got, they got out of jail. And even in New York, those activists were given remunerations of like $17,000 for getting pepper sprayed by the police. And so it's, it's the two levels of justice that you can be an activist for the leftist causes and they have a fund to bail you out. Kamala Harris helped with that fund. But if you're on the right, you get thrown in, you know, solitary confinement for a year. And the, the key is thrown away from the lock to your cell. Some of these guys have just been really, really disheartened by, by this, these lockups and no process, you know, no day in court, just sitting in these cells. And for everyone you can cite, we can go back years and we don't have to go back that many. Most of the people who have been found to be innocent through the innocent projects in these various states have been black men who have been locked up and then found innocent after 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We just had a case here in Cleveland where a man was found to be innocent after serving 42 years in jail. And then when he tried to sue the judge throughout the case, that is a lifetime. I know. So I'm I'm heart sick over it, Noel. But my question is. But there are grievances all over. So let's let's work on the whole system and not do it through this partisan lens, because we all know that there has this system has not been fair. It never has been. So start with some of the most aggrieved people and then let's build some consensus moving forward. I just want to add something about the Black Lives Matter protesters, the ones who were jailed and let out. Those were not the, the nitty gritty activists. And we have covered this multiple times where the real the real nitty gritty activists, some of those people disappeared and were never heard from again. There were activists that were a part of the Ferguson riots that completely disappeared. They were taken away and never heard from again. So BLM, and I mentioned this tonight, that is not a good reference. That's what I was said when Trump brought that up because BLM was co-opted. BLM has become more corporate. They have a $5 million house. That's not the best example to point to. I'm talking about the activists that were protesting against police brutality that were not a part of the BLM corporation, so to speak, the real nitty gritty activists who disappeared, who were taken away by police officers and were never seen again. Sabrina, did you ever hear, did you ever hear the rumor that mercenaries were brought in from other countries to participate in some of these activities? They're not even American citizens. I've heard that. Yeah, but you just but but to your point, as you just mentioned, you said the rumor. There's a difference between rumor and fact. And for me, like I have to have receipts, I have to have evidence, I have to have something that shows that that was actually true. I don't have evidence that shows that that was actually true. When you say that, you know, some people on the left have been like jailed and like they were released or whatever and they raise funds, but it doesn't seem to happen on the right. I disagree, and I point to someone like Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse was on the right. Kyle Rittenhouse was not jailed. And Kyle Rittenhouse raised a lot of money. And celebrities came out to donate money to Kyle Rittenhouse. So I think I think we need to be careful about 
describing this in reference to left versus right, because there's exceptions on both sides. But the thing is, this all comes back to the fact that the system itself is inherently corrupt. And that's why some people get a pass and some people do not. And that's what we always have to go back to, guys. We have to go back to the system that's in place. We have to go back to the corruptions. And why is the system corrupt? Because of corporate money. Why is it that, you, you know, you mentioned that you don't want to have these parties be a corporation. That's another problem. The DNC is a corporation. So the lawyers that were part of the DNC fraud lawsuit are actually going to be coming on Sunday. And they're going to talk all about this. And I told you guys before, these are not political parties. These are not parties. These are not organizations. These are corporations. And that's why you're not guaranteed to have a fair election. That's just the reality of it. I give mad props to Fiorella, uh, Fiorella and Pasta from Convo Couch because they have been trying to explain this to people for years that our election system in this country is not fair. They were on the ground. They covered these election processes in this country and in other countries as well. And based on the comparison, no, we do not have a fair election system in this country, but that is on purpose. That is by design. Both parties gerrymandered districts. Both parties handpick people that they think is going to be the one. And I point to something like the 2000, the election between uh, Al Gore and George W. Bush. You know, we find out after the fact that Al Gore actually did win the state of Florida. Did they overturn things and tell Al Gore, okay, you're supposed to be president? No, they did not. Bush got that seat. He was handpicked. That's who they wanted. And that's who they got. So we don't have, we do not have a fair election system in this country. And if you guys think that we do, you are kidding yourself. There has been multiple evidence that has proven this, that we just don't have it. When you have voting machines that work in some districts, but fail in other districts, when you have people who have turned in ballots that don't even get counted, these were the things that Convo Couch actually revealed on the ground, how some of these, these precincts or some of these locations weren't even counting all the ballots. So no, our election system is not fair. These parties choose who they want. And typically the person who has the most money and Kim Iverson attested to this, the ones who are bankrolled, those are the ones who win. And who are these people you're bringing in on Sunday? These are the lawyers that were a part of the DNC fraud lawsuit. So this was right after Bernie lost in 2016. And there was a lawsuit where they basically said that, listen, they cheated Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders, for example, West Virginia, he won every county in West Virginia, but the superdelegates gave that state to Hillary Clinton. What they argued in court, and this is the DNC, the DNC argued in court that they can handpick candidates in the back, in a back room, that they are not an actual party. It is a corporation. And they said that even though the voters have the belief to come out and vote and the person that they vote for is the one that's with the most votes is going to win, they were able to argue that that is not necessarily the case because they are a private corporation and they can decide who the person is going to be. Wow. This is a big, well, this is a big problem. Yeah. I got to tell you one more thing. I predicted the last time I was on your show that I could see. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. being Trump's running mate, he has come out definitively and said he will not be running 
as a Republican with President Trump. Other people were, were kind of, you know, asking him what was what on that question, too. So this past week, he tweeted that out. That's not going to happen. So thanks for taking my call. Great conversation, guys. I'm just going to listen to the rest. Thanks. Yeah, I meant to tell you guys about that, too. Yeah, he mentioned that on Twitter that he will not be doing that. Let's go ahead and bring in Case, and then we'll bring in Ashura. What's up, Case Study QBs in the house? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Much love to the chat. Great discussion as usual. I'm here at work. That's why I was sneaking in the background, just listening. We were out busy earlier, but and if I get a call, I'll jump out and jump back in. But Roger tickled my ears, so I was like, let me jump in here and say what's up to everybody. <laughs> well, he was talking about a... Uh, 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 what a router protocol. You said OSPF. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Case. One Hello. We hear you. Oh, something's going on with my mic, so um, I'm gonna mute myself and see if I can figure it out. I don't know. I can't hear anything anymore. Uh oh. Oh man. I'll come. I'll come back to you, Case. Let's go ahead and bring in um, Ashura. What's up, Ashura? Just go ahead and unmute. Uh-oh. I just lost Ashura. What happened? Oh, there you are. Okay, let's try this again. Okay, yeah, just go ahead and unmute. Hey. Hi, Ashura. Yeah, you just uh, brought up a name, and that, that probably triggered someone in the chat. Apparently, I'm conservative now. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is new to me. Yeah, the name Rittenhouse basically is it's it's almost like Trump. It triggers people. So <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, some people didn't see the trial, and basically now they're making they're bringing up that same shit. So I just said one comment. Apparently, I'm conservative now. I'm a conservative cop lover. Well, I don't know what that's all about. I, tell you, I don't right. know. Find these things to divide us up, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, Kyle Rittenhouse don't know any of you, so <laughs> I'm sorry, but it just is what it is. Go ahead, Ashura. Uh, let me see here. Let me just look at the thumbnail to know what I want to say. Uh, when it comes to the, <laughs> I'll talk with about George Santos uh, first. That shit's the funny one. <laughs> I mean, you know this guy was a liar. He was. This guy, when he came in, he just lied and lied and lied, and now you know he's embezzling. Embezzling, he's basically on a bunch of these fucking charges. Like, did he not know he was going to get caught or something? He definitely didn't go about doing this the right way. Like, and not, I'm not encouraging anyone to do this. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you're going to try to fake who you are, um, you should probably be more discreet about it. Like some of these things that he did, he actually did this through uh, the bank. And you know, if you you have any type of money transaction that happens through a bank, it's traceable and you can track it. So it almost just seems like to me, like he really just was not thinking at all. I don't know who this guy is. How do we know his name is George? Oh, that, that was the first, that was the funny part. I don't know his name is George Santos. <laughs> Maybe it's an we should look question at it. why why are they going so hard on him, you know? And is it just that he's that bad at it and just gave him too much that they they couldn't not go after him, or, or is there something else going on? But I think I, I think maybe, he tasted maybe power. he crossed the wrong person. I mean, I think he tasted power too, uh, too soon, he, or he t- he got too much. Well, the guy's I'm like, a, weird, a weirdo idiot. 
Yeah, I'm like, he got a loan for $700,000, and like, he's taking people's money. I mean, isn't the salary you're getting from Washington enough? I mean, you could, you basically can take money. I mean, you could take corporation money on the side, and nobody fucking would know about it. I mean, can't, why did you have to do all that shit? Just take the corporate money on the side once you get in. Nobody will know. You can't think. Damn, Ashura. <laughs> too, too weird for Congress. <laughs> I mean, it, it, isn't that how. Isn't that how it goes, like, Sabrina? Sounds I mean, like you're running for office there. <laughs> no, I'm not moving to the states. But it's, it's how the corruption goes, man. It's like you pretend that you're you're basically for the people. You get in there, and then they start, you know, the money starts flowing in. But this guy got caught quick, and he's he's about to go. I mean, I remember Jimmy was talking about him. He said, "Oh, this guy's gonna go some places, man. Like he's good at lying." Now he just fizzled out quick. I mean, that was fast. Going to the big house. <laughs> like, so here's the thing. I think George Santos is a con man. I really do. I think he's a con artist. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's been doing this for quite longer than before he decided to run for, for office. I think he's been doing this for a while, to be honest. Mad Men? What's that, Eric? You watched the, the series Mad Men? I saw one episode of that, and then I never finished it. Should oh, I go back and so, check it again? Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. But that—that's a real theme in Mad Men. Is—is is the lead character, like his whole life is a lie, but he just—he's just good at it, and he just skates through. Some kind of sociopath. Mm-hmm. There's there's something not right about George Santos. Like I really do feel like he's a pathological liar, and I feel like he's a con artist and. I really do feel like, like, if you're going to lie, he didn't even lie the right way, Ashura. If you're going to lie and say you went to college, you don't pick top schools and shit like NYU. Like, <laughs> he's not good at it. But you know what occurs to me is that, like, like you know, George Santos is just a weirdo, you know, loser idiot. The biggest con artists, the biggest liars, the biggest workers of the systems are the billionaires. You know, they, they're, they're clever, you know, like ghoulishly clever and they work the system they're they're sociopathic and they just push 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 and you know caitlin johnstone like like writes about this sometimes saying like like yeah, we have a system that rewards the sociopaths and if we had any kind of a health a healthy society we would treat these billionaires as the mentally ill ghouls that they are g g put them away or give them help and try and cure them and but not give them all the power and money <laughs> but that's what you know that's what our society is right now yeah no it's it's yeah. true yeah and the tucker thing um when it comes to twitter not not twitter yeah twitter so there's gonna be ads now i thought there were already ads on twitter like every time i would scroll down the tweet there's always an ad that just it's there for some reason i have to mute well, that shit I think that now if you change your profile to like the content creator status where like you add that subscribe button where people can subscribe and like view your content, um, which some people have done that already, I guess I'm assuming on the video content, there's going to be that opportunity to add ads so that you can make revenue off of that. You're going you're gonna to make us go through ads now? No, I'm not. Um, I'm not even signed up that way. Like, I don't have a subscribe button on my Twitter. You account. got the blue check, though. 
I do have, I only have that for posting videos, to be honest. Yeah, like you had to. You know, one thing with these Twitter videos is that I, I noticed like they're, they're almost impossible to find. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, like, like if I try to find like one of your shows, like I, I, I couldn't bring it up. I mean, when it's live, you know, it'll pop up, but then it's like, if you don't have the original link, it's like, I don't see how you find them. They don't seem to have a, a, a thing where you can search them or unless I'm missing something. So maybe it's they'll so change hard. that with Tucker coming in, but. Maybe they will change that. Like I know um, if you go to like my Twitter page, you'll see them, but I don't know. I guess you're saying if you go like the next day or the day after. Yeah. I'm saying um, after they play the, the old ones, they're still there because I, I know I can go in like to the stream yard and find the link and then view them that way. But of course no one else has those links. And so like Twitter, like they just don't seem to care about video much before now or Whatever. You know what I think it is, Eric? Like back in the day, more people used to stream to Twitter. And I have noticed, like, it seems like the only people still streaming to Twitter is like me and RBN. And there was someone else I saw streaming to so it's Twitter. It's like it's just not a thing. Because I know StreamYard changed their settings at one point, like a year ago, where you couldn't, they changed Twitter and they, they changed it like Periscope or something like that. And I think it confused some people and it made them think you couldn't stream to Twitter anymore, but you still could. You did it through Periscope and Periscope would link it to Twitter. So that could be why some people stopped doing it. Yeah, I think people just, uh, just don't, uh, just don't even think about it much. So I don't think they do I guess Tucker anymore. will change that. Yeah, because that used to be like, I, I noticed that sometimes like I'm like, when I, because in StreamYard, you can select like different platforms to stream to you guys. And like, I always notice that I'm like, why am I, am I the only one that's like streaming to Twitter? Why don't more people do that? Because the reason why I do that is because it not only shows, um, gives people the opportunity to watch it on Twitter, but it also shows people that you're live. You know, so if people, maybe they didn't know I was live, they know I'm live now because they'll see that video like on Twitter. So that's why I, I do it. I, I think it's another way to announce that you're live. Um, yeah, makes sense. But that's just me. What else you got to share? Yeah, I got the, I didn't see the Joe Biden thumbnail thing. What was it about? I didn't catch that. I tried to watch the entire stream, but I don't think I remembered watching the Biden thing. Oh, that he he just lost support among yeah. um Gen Z. Yeah. Oh, Which uh, you would have thought those two TikTok boys would have done it, but geez. <laughs> why would they why, why would they do anything? They got exposed. <laughs> I mean, people people went after them so much. I mean, at this point, I don't think they want to show their faces anymore. I think that one of one of them basically decided not to even show up with the other one. It's a it's a solo gig now. Well, didn't they said, um, didn't Nick respond to Ariel and her sisters oh, in the twenty twenty? What that? What was that? Was that? that was... Oh no, no, that was me. I was uh, oh. basically looking at the thumbnail, and some some ad just popped out of nowhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. The oh yeah yeah didn't Nick have the, uh did a um a, a Twitter showing from 
I'm gonna just, where, where they were saying Gen Z and, and, and those kids were saying, um, oh man, it's just too hard trying to get my generation interested in Biden. I'm, I think I'm giving up or something like that. Remember when I sent that to you, Sabrina? That, that naked Remember that? I did? Yeah. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah, well, they they really were outed, though, Ashura. Like, they were busted, and then, you know, they tried to go to the interview, or one of them did, and tried to explain, like, oh, no, we're not really actually, you know, da-da-da. I'm like, nah, y'all are busted. But I feel bad for them because they're kids. No, they're not. What were they busted about? I think most of them are, like, 18, over 18, one of them. Still, that's still kid. You know, like, they they were used by, by the Biden administration, and, like, they don't they don't know. Like they, I'm pretty sure they know, Sabrina. I mean, I mean, they, they, they lied. They said they didn't get no money. They didn't get paid. They get five dollars. Well, that's what they were busted about. Okay. Well, they were probably told to say that, but the thing is, I don't think they realize how they're being exploited. Like that's the thing. Like young people, particularly that age at 18, they can be very much impressionable. And who knows what kind of promises they made to these kids? You know. Sucks. Damn. You know, they went after these kids, the, the, the target of these kids. Like, come on. You see, they didn't try to get anybody older. So the, um, the, 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 the Zoomers, not these Zoomers, but the Zoomers who gave Biden a low uh, approval rating and they're looking for some, you know, they're, they're more akin to socialism and so on and so forth. I'm like, where can I find these kids at? I need to, I need to, I need an army for, for, Ballot initiators. <laughs> Let's find them. Let's round them up. Yeah, uh, you find them on TikTok. <laughs> That's where they are. Or you find them at the universities, Roger. All right, I guess I could walk to the university over here. Yeah, but TikTok's the big one. You know, they really like the tick and the talk. Yeah, they have. You know what? When they came. I don't think they're having any more um, debates over here at, at, at Hofstra uh, University, but like I've never like when they came they, when they came here in two thousand eight, um, Obama and McCain to to debate. That was you got to remember that was like the two thousand eight crisis and all that stuff. I never seen anything like that before. I've always seen picket signs on TV. You know what I mean? Um, the, from the '60s and all that, and everybody was out there like debating and doing all. I mean, like may, maybe it's because I never seen it because I live in the suburbs or whatever. You usually see that stuff in, in the city or whatever. But if you get a little protest out here, it's like, oh, that's so cute. You got a little protest, but this was it was just unreal. Um, and then and then then let me see. Then Obama and Mitt Romney they came back over here to, to, to Hofstra University. There was a protest, but it wasn't as big as as it was before then. Um, so I think the last one, I don't think I don't think Trump and Biden debated here at Hofstra, but I know they uh, I know uh, Trump and Hillary did. And it, it was just a complete madhouse. <laughs> they had security everywhere and so on and so forth. Don't let them don't let these presidents come to come to debate in your town, Sabrina. It's 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 a madhouse. <laughs> I'll try. 
I'll try. Yo, we were talking about Twitter earlier, and I, I got a call, but um, can I vent real quick? <laughs> Sabrina, is all right with you? Go ahead. Go. Oh my goodness, Twitter has been getting on my nerves. I've I looked at um Substack notes to see how it is, but they don't have a video, a vibrant video. You can't add video to their notes. And I was looking around for an alternative uh, something, but um, and I would even use Substack, but then I found out that it only takes YouTube, and I don't want to use my own YouTube channel because then if I, I was going to start posting clips to the, my YouTube channel, but I stopped doing that originally because all the copyright strikes. So I'm like. Substacks can only take um, YouTube videos. I wish it took like Odyssey or if it took Rumble or something. I would have used anything else. But um, the, what really pissed me off was I clipped RFK had an interview and he, he was talking about something. I forgot exactly what it was. And I posted it. And like 20 hours later, it had like 10 views. I'm like, there's no way I got 15,000 followers that this thing has 10 views. And I'm like, I'm paying 8.93 or whatever it is a month for twitter blue and then they always put a disclaimer on my account saying this is sensitive information and they haven't changed anything like i'm trying to bribe you all to give me a regular account and they still not even taking my bribe i'm like forget this i'm not paying money anymore and i canceled my uh, account as far as twitter blue so next month i'm going to get my blue check taken away and i'm going to miss it because like you said um it's a benefit to be able to post over to minutes and 20 seconds, especially um, when I'm clipping news clips and stuff like that. I don't want to have to worry about, oh, is this right up to the mark of two minutes and 20 seconds and this and this. It was such a relief that I didn't have to worry about that anymore, but now I'm yeah. going to have to. Yeah. Thanks. Have you ever, did you ever find out like why they're doing this to your account? Like why they're suppressing your account? This is my only inclination was that um, a couple years back, and you know, I, I'm a, somebody that I always want to support whatever it is. If I can, if I believe in it, I'm going to try to support. So I saw um, somebody got killed and it was a hashtag um, of support for somebody. I forgot exactly who it was. And even right now I have hashtag stop cop city, right? But before it was hashtag something. And I always go through my notifications also just to see, um, get a vibe for who's, um, what people are saying to the clips and such. And somebody said, Oh, you're trying to grift off of this hashtag. I'm going to flag your account. And I'm like, no, I'm what? trying to support this, this, this effort by putting the hashtag. And, um, and I don't know if they, you know how there's, um, armies of accounts that would flag. I think it happened to Marianne Williamson recently that they had a couple of Marianne Williamson's accounts got taken down TikTok because they, what they would do is just swarm. Um, and flag in, in mass in a mass event, and that would cause your account to go down. And I'm wondering if him, that person doing that, and they did it to my account where they flagged my account and then maybe got a whole bunch of other people to flag it for sensitivity, and then now all of a sudden my account is under this banner of sensitivity. That's the only thing. I, I don't know for sure. That's the only thing I could think of, but yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Who would do that? Like, do they not realize how valuable your clips are? Seriously. I, I, I think I, I have no clue what it, it was, but there was somebody who's like, oh, you know what? You did this, so I'm going to flag your account. And I think, it, you know, we're all, I don't want to say we, I'm always paranoid about alphabet situations. So who knows if that was one They're of those. Putting situations. economic sanctions on you, US style. Who, 
And who knows? They know the value, and, and and I appreciate everybody who you know shouts me out, including you. Kid always does a great job, and other people who use their accounts. And um, they see, man, this person. I'm I consider myself like I do my um uh, service as a service to my left community. I do it for free. I don't. I hardly I you know ask for money here and there or whatever, but it's more of a service because I know it helps everybody out and it helps amplify issues that we all care about and if they're like oh we have like let's say the big corporations they like oh we pay our guys our producers eighty thousand, and we have an army of producers how dare they have their own you know unofficial producer that's helping them and then they try to get rid of me who knows who knows good grief <sighs> that sucks case yeah but i appreciate y'all and um I got to hit you up about the launch. Um, I haven't talked about Michelle Party in a while, but we're about to launch, and I'm looking forward to sharing that. So I got to hit you up on the side about that. Awesome. Let me know. Yep. All right, let's bring back in Ashura. Ashura, anything else you want to add? Yeah, uh, let's see. Now I'm going to go to the Trump thing. Uh, (laughs) What did they expect was going to happen when they brought Donald Trump in? expect they were gonna just hammer him on January 6th and all the bullshit, all the past Trump shit somehow that was gonna get everyone basically to turn on him. I mean, I, I they said that the the the, the stream was basically with um, Republicans and Independents. That's that that's the Trump. That's basically who got Trump in. Most of the liberals were just sprinkled in, but the, those were the most of the people that voted for Donald Trump. So I don't know how they thought this was going to be a gotcha. I mean, in fact, they got filleted on Twitter. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that... No, um, they don't care. They got their ratings. Yeah, they got they got the ratings. And I do know, I will say, I have heard a little bit of chatter in reference to some of the commentators at CNN not too happy with the new direction from the new manager, they're they're not too happy with it. They don't like the fact that they have to interview like you know Republicans now that kind of thing. So I I have heard some of that, but at the same time, then that goes back to if you want to keep your job, like what they're going to go real. on strike. <laughs> right, I know, right? Because here's the thing: like, let's be real. Like in that type of industry, I can tell you this: when you once you get higher up and you're working for like. Fox News or CNN and stuff like that, unless you have like a platform as large as Tucker Carlson, it's not that easy just to get picked up somewhere else, uh, especially if you don't have a good reputation. Have you guys noticed you haven't heard any updates about Don Lemon yet, have you? No, you haven't. That's what I'm saying. Wouldn't that should be have been settled behind the scenes with the, you know, like some kind of him for shutting up or some shit. Right. But I mean, have you heard anything about him going to another network or anything? Not yet. Like it's, it's not hard. Like the higher up you go, like for example, people that work for like the today show or good morning America, like stuff like that. Right. If you leave on good terms, it'll be a little bit easier for you. But even then, once you get that high up in the media space, like if you are not a big draw if you can't bring in millions of views like by yourself by just on your name and your brand alone it's not as easy for you to just hop around like that 
even if you leave on good terms. That's the thing. I noticed that, uh, I don't know if, it's a, if I'm just looking into too much in this, but it feels like CNN is just going to make it basically the the, the anchors are going to be female from now on because they feel like the males have been, gotten them too much in trouble. Well, they've all been fired for the most yeah. part, except for Anderson Cooper. Yeah, well, he's a Vanderbilt, so he probably has a stake in CNN. I don't know. But it feels like that's where it's going. Oh, and they, Anderson they, is they gay, like, so he's not going to bother the women. That's true. Well, so was uh, what's his name? But so was Don Lemon. Yeah, Don was nasty. <laughs> I'm Brian Stiltler was gone. I forgot that he was. I thought he was still part of CNN until you told me that uh, no, he got fired a long time ago. He thought he was, was going to stay. Last, he was fired last year. He's still around a little bit though. He seems to still get on but, air somehow. He got why. because he got a gig at Harvard. You know, okay. Sabrina, some, something um, that, that you forgot or didn't mention or whatever the case is. When someone like you and me gets fired from a job, we're like, oh, my God. You know, you live in paycheck to paycheck. You're like, oh, my God, I, I gotta, I, I'll take anything. That bill is due next week. You know, whatever the case is. These people, so what if they don't get a, a job? I mean, uh, what's his name? Don Lemon was earning $4 million a year. His net worth is twelve million. If you didn't save up enough money all that time to, I mean, that's enough to last you for the rest of your life if you budget yourself correctly. You ain't got to get the best house. Just live off of I don't know, hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, I don't know, maybe hundred fifty, hundred thousand dollars a year, something like that. Whatever the case is. I live so like an animal, <laughs> Roger. What's that? Live like an animal. <laughs> Live like the commoners? Yeah, well, live like the commoners. Well, it, it, it all depends. Like, the key word is if you budgeted well. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. you know, if you want to keep up with the Joneses, well, that's your own fault. You know, I mean... And don't forget he in- has a husband. Oh, you might... You think they, they might be a Goldie or something? Could they, be. <laughs> they have resources, too, so, you know, we know about the four million a year, but Big Daddy might making some good loot too that's true sometimes a husband you got to get a second job to afford the husband (laughs) you know so i mean it's just like yeah if they don't get another job so what they're good (laughs) it's it's not like if me and you lost our job and it's just like oh no what am i gonna do (laughs) yeah um I can't. It, it, I find the funny part when Trump uh, uh, pulled out that receipt. <laughs> that was funny. He was that like, physical Ugh. receipt. Yeah. The, oh, he's yeah. like, okay, I gotta pull it off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it. Off. Like, I laughed my ass off when he said that shit. <laughs> I'm just telling you, based on what I saw, I'm just like, oh boy. I said, Joe Biden is not ready to debate this dude. This is a very, this is very different. This is a very different Trump than he was when he ran in 2016 and in 2020. And Joe Biden, like, he just doesn't have the mental capacity to debate him right now. He don't. It's like I told you last week uh, when you when I said that if he brings this shit up, it, it might be not be good because he needs to stop with that shit. They even asked him the question. What do you keep talking about? Like the the election was stolen and shit. Yeah, I don't even think they brought that up, to be honest. No, no, they brought it up. He said he's going to keep talking about it. 
Yeah, but I, I feel like I, I really do feel like some of the questions that Caitlin was asking him, I don't feel like she asked them in the right way. So like I brought up the thing what Ben Shapiro said and like I n- hardly I don't think I've ever agreed with Ben Shapiro. Well, somebody's going to say you did. I mean, you got accused of being a Trump But I, I, I agreed with him on this tweet where he said the problem is she was asking about issues that Democrat voters care about. She wasn't asking about issues that Republican voters care about. So that's why it actually made Trump look better than than the CNN host. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, like his his base and his voters, they don't care. They don't want to hear about obviously like January 6th, they don't care about those things. Those are things that are important to people that are liberals and watch CNN. They're not important to his base. That's where she messed up. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a funny debate. I think it was the biggest, I don't know what the ratings were, but I'm pretty oh, sure. The ratings were huge. Oh. That's all they care about. See, they mean, don't care about winning. People can stay online. They don't like the direction of CNN. CNN has lost their integrity. I was like, when did they have any? I mean, they lost it the moment they got bought. I mean, every single corporation has a has a bunch of these news outlets under them. Exactly. And the thing is, this is a part of the plan of their that new manager at CNN to increase the ratings. And how do you increase the ratings? You bring on people who are controversial. You bring on someone like a Donald Trump. That increases the ratings so yes it really did help cnn ratings wise uh their reputation just went further into the ground you know according to liberals like a lot of liberals were really upset like on social media they were like what the hell and da 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 and yada yada um of course some of the the politicians democrat politicians were upset and things like that and i'm like well the question that we should all be asking is why do we even have media networks mainstream media networks that cater to one political ideology that's the problem what happened to the days where we had like the walter cronkite journalists we don't have that anymore you have fox news which is conservative cnn which is liberal but is trying to move you know to to be to cater to both in, in a sense we'll see how this works and then you have msnbc which also caters to liberals so my thing is is like this is a big part of the problem, and they create the divide because they control the narrative. Why can't you just have a mainstream media, if you're mainstream media news, why don't you just have a mainstream media news network that just reports the fucking facts in the news? Okay, uh, World Pilgrim just said in the chat, 3.3 million watched, big boost compared to typical Anderson Cooper's numbers, about four times higher. But I still think this is a part of a Pied Piper strategy because the thing is, why would you have Trump on at all? Do you? We know he is not going to change his behavior. We know he's going to double down. But like Sadly says, he is good for ratings. But the reason I say it is um, Pied Piper 2.0, because the more media attention you give Trump and the more his base gets excited about him, he is going to be formidable when it comes to the Republican primary. So I'm sure DeSantis and Nikki Haley and all these people who are who have entered the Republican primary, when they saw that last night and heard those people clapping and see all the ratings, they're like, oh shit. It's gonna be even harder for them to try and unseat him. 
So they're probably praying that something happens with, you know, you know, some of these other indictments that may follow, but all things given, he is becoming more and more solidified at the top. And I think the Democrats just feel like, you know, they're willing to try it again, you know, with the old scaremongering thing, because here's the one thing, the Democrats um, largely are going to buy into the critique. They're going to be like, oh yeah, he was convicted of assaulting that woman and now he indicted and this and that and blah, 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 blah. So I think this has a Piper S type of, you know, underpinning to it because there is really no other reason that you would be doing a town hall with Donald Trump. You know, he's not going to say anything innovative or show any remorse. Or Now, although I must say he was measured on that abortion issue. But other than that, he was, you know, regular old Trump, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, he, he seemed more composed a bit. And uh, it's a good thing you mentioned those names, uh, Noel, because I completely forgot about those guys. Because I'm pretty sure that... that are they? Do you think they're not gonna basically bow out immediately if he's getting that momentum boost? What if there is no primary and they nervous. said, "Okay, uh, it's over." I think they're gonna be nervous because he's going to be tougher to beat. Because the one thing about Trump, he is like a loose cannon, and he can say basically whatever comes to his mind. And those type of people are very difficult in those one-on-one -on -one situations when they have the crowd behind them. You can be crazy as a loon, but if the crowd is crazy too, the same reasonable person is just going to get lost in the ashes. So, you know, and he has this ironclad thing, you know, and I'm sure, like I say, those other candidates have a certain amount of trepidation now because they see that nothing is really tarnishing him with the base that they need to appeal to. And they're scared of him because at the end of the day, they want to win. And even if they have to win with him, they can, they'll come together and do that. But let yeah, me tell you something. I, I got to tell you guys, when I say like CNN's like ratings have been bad, they've been really bad. They are performing the worst out of Fox News and MSNBC, like they have not recovered since Joe Biden won. And it's just gotten worse. Like ever since like they got rid of Chris Cuomo, their ratings tanked again. When they, they moved and they made like shifts where they moved um, Donald Lemon from prime time to morning because his show wasn't getting the ratings. And he tried to say back then, he was just like, oh, this is not a demotion. Honey, I worked in media Okay, so like I, I worked for like local news. I know whenever they move you from prime time to the morning show, that is a fucking demotion. Now he may not want to buy that, but that's exactly what that was because everybody knows the morning news gets less viewers than the prime time news. And so Don Lemon knew that that was a demotion when they got rid of Brian. Like they, that was them making moves. Like let's move things around to see if it'll help the ratings. And that still did not help the ratings. And I think, you know, again, like Donald Trump being president actually really helped CNN's ratings like a lot. And the moment that he lost to Joe Biden, their ratings started to tank and it continued. That's why they kept talking about January 6th because they thought that that would help the ratings, but it really doesn't. It originally got to the point where people got tired of hearing about it. <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's it's like the same thing Jimmy Dore said when he was on. He used to be on on uh, the Young Turks. He once said to them that uh, if Donald Trump gets elected, that it would have been better. It would be better for the left because the left itself, when they have a Democrat, they basically go to brunch, they go to sleep, they don't do anything anymore. They don't protest. It's just a little sprinkle of people out there protesting. But Donald Trump would be good for the Democrats would fundraise uh, after Donald Trump. And the left would go out there. They'd be they'd be fighting for stuff, but uh, people laughed at them. They said that that was bullshit. That nobody's gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, looks like he was he he was right. The left basically doesn't go out unless the president is a Republican. Everyone yep. talks about how great John Stewart was, and he was on point and so on and so forth. But it was just like, yeah, he was on point during the Bush years. But what type of critics? I, I wasn't watching. I was. I would only see clips of his show. Uh, he, he's downgraded now. Was he, he, well? Uh, when Obama was president, his show he was still hosting a Daily Show. So was he as like hardcore on Obama with the drone strikes and all this other stuff as he was with uh, Bush? Now I'm, I'm yeah. asking the question because. I'm pretty sure he was light on it. Well, he did critique him, but he was light. Yeah, okay. and certainly never critiqued the wars or drones or anything. They wouldn't touch that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I feel like the, the the thing this always has to come back to is is you know to stop getting so too caught up in in let you know the red versus blue and and all these theater games and and and. Game of Thrones stuff and you know all this stuff and and come back to the the, the central the central divide here the central fight you know the top point one percent versus the rest of us you know that's that's the fight you know and I, I feel like we need to always come back to that and really figure out a way to build a politics that always comes back to that and doesn't get caught up in the distractions. Well, it will be interesting to see when Tucker starts his, his new show on Twitter if he's willing to talk about that issue. Sabrina, you see the uh see Lucy on Larry yet? Not yet. I haven't had a chance to. I've actually been busy all day. Yeah, I feel, I feel you. I was Can I ask you all a question? I have an idea. Um so every so often we come across an initiative that we can all come around. And I know um, Eric was just talking about, you know, the 99% come together around something. And um, one one example was that was forced to vote. That was an opportunity that we could all support. Um, there was the Medicare for all marches. That was an opportunity for us to all support. Unfortunately, unfortunately not everybody supported, but I think even by... Uh-oh. Even my, my, my Bluetooth is acting up. Yeah, even by the second time the we did the march, the one that went to D.C., I think less people, even, and correct me if I was wrong, people who were against the first iteration of that, you didn't hear them as much this time around. And so I'm curious if you guys would be interested in another initiative that I'm, I'm wondering if it would be fruitful and, and people from different parts of the left can come at it from a different points of view. And that would be uh, an initiative to try to get Biden to force him to debate Marianne Williamson and um, and Robert Kennedy Jr. And the reason I say this is um, like from our perspective where we don't care about the duopoly, 
it would be a way to make the Democrats to confront them and make the establishment Democrats even look bad. You know, I know that we, there's things that we disagree with. I don't know what um, RFK's uh, opinion of Medicare for all is because he doesn't have it on his website or anything like that. So I, that's something I'm critical of. But he can attack um, Biden from, you know, foreign policy point of view and other points of view, Marianne, I'm sure this not from the foreign policy point of view, but from the Medicare for all point of view. What do you all think about that? I'm not a federal guy. <laughs> so I, I think that everybody should be able to debate. I'm a strong believer in that. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen on mainstream media. Mm. Mm. So I was asked if I would do it with Kim Iverson, and I said I defer to Kim. So I, I asked Kim, and Kim said she thinks it should be off of YouTube because she said the problem is if it's on YouTube, we're just going to be talking to the people that we already talked to. She said it needs to be bigger than that. And she said she thinks it should be actually like on Twitter. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. But the thing is, the those candidates, like they should be, I feel like they should be reaching out to people that can make this happen. Like their team should be reaching out to Charlemagne the God. Mm-hmm. Their team should be reaching out to Joe Rogan. Their team should be reaching out to people who have like millions of followers Mm-hmm. And can really put them on notice, uh, you know, yeah. like that's the thing, like it really shouldn't be up to left independent media to figure out, hey, how can we get these guys like to have some type of debate like that's the job of their campaign team and they should actually be reaching out to people. But I think it could still happen. And then my thing is, is like people are like, well, what about Joe Biden? He's not going to show up Then he just doesn't show up. And that makes him look bad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And at this point, if he and the DNC won't um, debate like how, you know, Simone Sanders said the other day, I think it's probably benefit if they debate each other. And just like how Trump, a lot of people were saying, oh, CNN should not cover Trump. Um, They still covered it. (laughs) You still saw it on MSNBC. CNN was covering it the next day and, you know, all day today. And I'm sure uh, actually I don't know what Fox did with that um, footage. but if Marianne and Robert debated and there was something spicy might have happened, I wouldn't be surprised if it went over to mainstream and, and see if how they would have uh, exposed it. And that's when people would be like, oh, there's other people running other than Biden. Because I asked a couple of people at my job, I said, hey, did you know that there's other people running other than Biden? And they're like, no, I didn't. I don't know that Marianne and RFK was running. So, um, yeah, no, someone mentioned to me, mentioned it to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. They said the only one running is Biden. I was like, no, Marianne Williamson and RFK Jr. running. They were like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, <laughs> exactly. And see, here's the thing, you know, like I agree with Sabrina. Um, you know, this is the campaign manager should be strategizing to do that because at the end the day the forum is a platform for you to get your message out mm-hmm. if you're running in the democratic party and they're refusing to do debates you should be the main one screaming and hollering and here's the thing if you turn on your tv and see a town hall with donald trump your team should be calling C- cnn and saying mm-hmm. Hold on, i'm gonna get a chance to do a forum when mm-hmm. you gonna do a forum for you know what i'm saying 100%. And matter of fact, I posted a clip 
that um, a caller from Washington C-SPAN was like, hey, um, we see other people. Marianne Williamson was on here recently, and I haven't seen RFK Jr. Is he going to have an opportunity? And the host was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we could definitely always have anybody running for president. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm just going to tell you the list for RFK Jr. is long. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on a list and they said they're mm-hmm. scheduling out for the next two months. So okay. a lot of people want to talk to him. And I mean, like mm-hmm. a lot. Oh, my God, Sabrina, this guy on YouTube, I just saw this yesterday name Andrew I even brought it up just so I could say his name um and I'm not a mean-spirited person but this guy Andrew Tavani and I'll put the link in the chat he interviewed RFK with like 200 and something subscribers and it was so cringeworthy I had to stop watching the video and I watch almost everything like Roger says it was just painful the questions he was asking like oh um how do you feel about your uncle assassination and da, da 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 and this stuff it's like why are you going to keep harping on that of course if my father died i'm going to feel real bad <laughs> it was, it was crazy. <laughs> I, I got a phone call i got to jump out sorry okay yeah yeah um he actually interviewed with a friend of mine that lives in new hampshire the jackman jackman brothers they're twins um jackman radio he interviewed with them uh i think first actually like right after he announced and they interviewed him in person um, so he's not like one of those people that's like, I'm only going to go on to uh, large platforms. He he doesn't seem to be that way. Um, and they don't have as, as, as many subscribers either. It's just he has a lot of requests. Um, so I, I said, if I don't hear back within like the next week, I'll reach back out. Um, but yeah, that is someone who is heavily requested right now. Go ahead, Roger. I want to know if you had... If you had an interview with Trump, what would you ask him? Oh, I wouldn't. I, I don't think it would be good for me to bring Donald Trump on. No, I'm just saying if. OK, fine. You're in a town hall and you're one of those people that gets to stand up and ask questions. What would you ask him? Oh, I have a lot of questions. Yes, well, why didn't, why didn't you pardon Assange? That is a question. That would be one of the ones like the Julian Assange thing would be a big one. I would say they, would, um, they, they might turn the lights out. Yeah, you know, so. I'd ask him, that, that that a fire alarm would go off again. <laughs> I'd ask him, you said in a, in a sixty minutes interview that you was going to provide health care to everyone, universal health care. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you negotiate for lower drug prices? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you rein in the banks? You would think. Trump, you would think. I would talk about the Ukraine. Um, the, what happened in 2014, how this is was all a thing by the military-industrial complex. When he gave that answer, he doesn't want both people to die. I would have given a better answer than that. I would have told her, yeah, I want a loser on the, one of those sides when he said that. She said, like, well, do you want Ukraine to lose? I would have told him Ukraine had no, had, no, had no skin in the game. Well, Ukraine had no bones to fight anyways because they pumped so much money into Ukraine. That you remember the news they were saying on CNN, Sabi, Ukraine, Ukraine is pushing back Russia. Ukraine is winning for like fucking two years straight or maybe a year. How long the war has been going on? That was the, that was the, the propaganda. Ukraine is winning. And now what happened to all that, that, all that energy, that news? Now Ukraine's not winning. Now we gotta, <laughs> we gotta care what happens in Ukraine. 
and I thought and Russia was did, losing. And what did independent media tell you? What did left independent media tell you? What well, did some, some of them? Some of them said the truth. The rest of them just went along with the establishment bullshit. Some of them. We we we, we, we try to explain to people there is no way in hell Ukraine could beat Russia. There's no way. Yeah, because Trump was like, we spent seventy one hundred and seventy billion dollars to Ukraine, and and the NATO people they sent us twenty billion dollars. He loves doing that shit. <laughs> seventy versus twenty, who spent a lot, and that's the U.S. fucking fault because U.S. loves to basically overspend. But this is you, the U.S.'s proxy war. He should have basically said that the U.S. basically overthrew the Ukraine's uh, government back in twenty fourteen, and they've been shelling this ever since. He could have bring up John McCain. And uh, what was this? Uh, the Snow Lady. What, what's his name again? Uh, Klobuchar. I mean, they were there. Remember that speech? We want the Ukrainians to fight to the last Ukrainian. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like, it's becoming more apparent now. I don't think like they can't hide it as much as they could before, just because more and more. Like that article by Seymour Hirsch where he, he admits to people like, listen, the U.S., Biden and them blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Like, it's getting much more traction, especially thanks to people like Jose, like Jose Vega, like showing up to these events and saying, like, why aren't you guys talking about Seymour Hersh's article? Like, you know, it's getting more eyes and ears. And I think that's really significant and important because most people don't watch, like, you know, politics on YouTube, believe it or not. Most Americans don't. And... I think that we just have to keep trying to find a way to get that message to more and more people. I know Gray Zone, like they made a t-shirt. Max had tweeted this out. They made a t-shirt that yeah. said Biden is the is North the, Stream. Robert, yeah, <laughs> that, that shit was funny. Yeah, and, and I'll say this last thing before cookies come in. Uh, I remember I was watching last night. Nick was like, yo, whoever is basically coaching Trump, Right now, because Trump doesn't, he has nothing to do right now. He just, he was watching TV, watches Tucker Carlson. So he has all day long to just watch the news. Whoever's coaching him is really giving him some, some, some good basic points to say to CNN. That's how they, they, they smacked that lady across the room that, that, that night. Cause I saw this woman on, on Newsmax, the one that you showed. I was like, that's the lady. She's probably one of the teams that are telling Trump, this is what you need to say. And there's a point they even brought bricks near the end and basically Cuomo had to shut it down because he had to he had to leave because they didn't want to say the word BRICS because she saw she said Brazil and I was like oh shit BRICS is gonna come up in the conversation and then he said oh we gotta go yeah that was gonna be a big one that was gonna be a big one you notice they cut that conversation short pretty quickly yeah because these guys aren't dumb man these Republicans these uh these operatives, man, these guys are like sharks. They smell blood in the water and they go for a wounded animal. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Democrats. They can't do it. They can't do it. They can't take off the gloves. Yeah, Anyways, I'm going to let uh, bad cookie is in. Well, I just wanted to say, I mean, one of the things to, I think just to really keep in mind, though, is that all these Democrats and Republicans, when you know, when it comes down to it, they're on the same team. You know, they're all on team billionaire. They're all on team military industrial complex. And so, yeah, Trump's on there, you know, talking like, you know, oh, we need peace. We need peace. But I mean, that's just because that's, you know, the current lane and that's the advice he's gotten. And that's what's what's working right now. And if there was a lane, 
that would be to, to ramp up this war, one of these wars, he'd be doing that and he'd be pushing and pushing on that. And I, I feel like, you know, here on, you know, what we'd see as kind of the real left, you know, we need, we need to not have the conversation just be about, you know, these candidates. Cause right, right now there's no candidate out there that that's going to help us right now. And I, and I feel like, you know, what we really need to be putting the most focus and most energy on is, is the concept of a movement, you know, based on, on the money, based on the corruption, based on class and based on that whole concept that, you know, they're corrupt, they're working for the billionaires, they don't represent us. And until we fix that, not what happens with any of these candidates, this, this doesn't even matter. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I forget who asked the question about building a movement, um, but we could be building a movement around the 11 demands that Eric Eric came up with. We'll I talk about it tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow night. Should be good. Bad cookies. Go ahead, bad cookies. I won't forget about you. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Sam's? Hello. It's pretty late at night, so... I wouldn't mind if uh, I was forgotten, but uh, I wanted to address uh, some of the issues here on this uh, Trump town hall. This uh, the Ukraine question that he answered that that is so devastating for him. Like that is a knockout punch that's gonna the ring that knockout punch is gonna ring for a while. And I know the MSM is gonna try to to spin it and make it sound like, oh, you know, he's a real Putin puppet. You know, look, listen to him. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to help Ukraine win. But in reality, they're just fucking masking the fact that he literally destroyed CNN that entire night. Uh, Ashura, Ashura, ah, Ashura was right in that they set that thing up perfectly. Trump looked amazing that fucking night. And I'm not a fucking Trump fan. You, you know that. And he fucking destroyed them last night. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very telling, huh? Yeah, it was real bad. Uh, Kit found his ex-wife, his future ex-wife on, on that <laughs> interview. Kept saying that, yeah. His future uh, ex-wife? What do you yeah. mean? That's what he's he got calls a little Caitlin crush Collins. On Caitlin. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. He might have a little thing for her. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his future ex-wife right there. So um, funny. <laughs> um, I just... The the thing that really bothered me, like I was I was there for that whole thing last night, and what what really bothered me was like so many people like, oh yeah, Trump's so anti-war, so he's so oh my god. When when I was watching people say that, I'm like, please, you guys, you need to stop. You need to know that Trump is not anti-war. You you need to stop this. Why are you guys doing this? Oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Trump is anti-war. Like, oh my god, do you run into this a lot, Sabby? Yeah, um, I've also heard people say the same thing about um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I said, no, change the countries from Ukraine and Russia to China and you'll see the difference. Mm. Yeah, it's know, a... people said the same thing about Tucker Carlson, too. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. change the country to China and you'll see the difference. No, I, I completely see that, too. I just. It it disturbs me like um you know a lot of the people that you talk to you're like you know you sound like you have a lot of common sense you you sound like you're a reasonable person and then you hear them say things like this like man come on you you should know better 
it's it's no different than the other side. It's the same game, no matter which side you're fucking playing. It's mm-hmm. it's depressing, actually, and that's what really bummed me out about last night. It was a it was a horrible clown show where Trump was just making a game show out of like what should be something fucking serious. We should be talking serious shit about like people's lives, about policies, about fucking bills that should be passed. And what the fuck did we do last night other than play fucking word games with Trump and he fucking did his little one-liners. It was a travesty of actual politics. And it, it saddened me to think that this is where our society has come to. The United States is just like, it's just like one big stage. Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> it really it really is one big stage and there's actors and there's people who work behind the scenes in production and they're this like the audience and and I feel like most of us are in the audience and we're just watching the actors, but we don't realize they're actors. That's it's, how it's yeah, it's a fucking it's a it's all a show and we're going to we're going to play into the same show. I you've said it multiple times. We're going to sit there, we're going to go in, into these uh presidential debates. They're going to hide Biden and we we all know how it's going to play out. And I'm I'm on your side here where where you're saying that Trump is going to destroy Biden cuz honestly, Biden, look at Biden. You can't honestly tell me Biden is there. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't think he is, and I. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to people. Even my dad, who like, you know, he watches this stuff every now and then. My dad was just like, Biden is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he is fucking horrible. It's it's awful. What you choose, Biden, or you choose Trump? What the fuck kind of choices are those? Is that really right. what what I have to choose? No, I'd rather choose Afro Man, and I've been saying that ever since he announced. I'm voting Afro Man because at least I know Afro Man isn't going to start any fucking wars. Afro Man isn't going to do anything except fucking fuck around and find out. That's about it. Um, And Afro Man is for uh, reparations. He has that as well. And then also Afro Man also wants to make it so that um, marijuana is, is legal nationally. And he also said, this is the big one. No more money for foreign aid. Take care of home base first. Sold. He's got my vote. <laughs> Sold. That's I'm all trying, I need. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get an interview <laughs> with Afro Man. So I'm trying. Amazing. We'll see. All right. Well, I took up enough of your time, Sabs. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a good night. Thanks, bad cookies. Bryce, what's up? You're on the mic. Gotta unmute. You're on the mic. Hey, Sabby. <laughs> um, actually, hey, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm actually walking home right now. So, uh, as far as like um um what I saw, uh, and I watched it with, like uh with Nick uh last night, you know, with uh CJ and the uh, kid and. I just I just saw what happened, you know, as far as like just a just a slaying of like uh of this woman not you know, I think a lot of like people don't know like what 
you know, people, you know, what uh, Trump actually said. And, you know, it's just, it, it looked bad, so. You talking about the, the, the vagina cat? Who names their cat vagina? Well, it's, it's not even that. You know, I think it was a, it was, it was more of just, you know, what, you know, when, when, you know, Trump like controlled the, the narrative, you know, himself and shit like that. They were trying to like, uh, they were trying to, you know, make him look bad, you know, and then they couldn't do. I feel the same way, man. I feel the same way. Sabrina. Yeah. So I think you and Case are going to have to have a sit down talk with Pasta. Because he's on some go Democrat shit. He was just like, no. He was just like, RFK Jr. 2024. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. I thought we weren't about Democrats. I thought we gave up that life. What happened? He ain't answer me. <laughs> wait a minute, I don't wait a think minute. Are you sure? I, yeah, I don't think Case really like uh, abandoned that, you know, because he has discussions like with like a lot of people. So I do go uh, watch I said pasta. videos. So I Oh, said pasta. pasta. I said pasta. I said I said, Sabrina, you and Case need to have a sit down with pasta and be like, are you okay? <laughs> no, I know Fiorella has spoken to him about this because Fiorella is very vocal about the fact that we don't have fair elections. So what but is he, going on with pasta? I'm going to have to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you and Case going to have to have a sit down talk with him because I was looking at, he, he tweeted like, RFK Jr. 2024. And I'm like, oh, uh, no. Pasta's fault. Oh man. Oh, I'm pretty sure Fee said something and told him like we don't have you know fair elections. Like that is like her big thing. Like she makes sure everybody knows that. But yeah, but um, even that he, I thought he was like no more Democrat Party. I mean, yeah, he just, was. I was like, what the hell happened? You know, I was just like, what, what? I guess he, you know, some of us Generation X's slipped back into Boomer territory. This is the thing, though. Like, you know, people just aren't seeing good choices. You know, people are like desperate. <laughs> I am something. that desperate. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, like we're like with bad cookies was was saying, you know, how everything you know looks pretty bleak, and you know, I, I don't disagree with with you know really much of what he's saying. I think we can take kind of flip it into an opportunity. In that, you know, it's not like these Democrats and Republicans are doing a great job and like you can't, you know, bring in a real left anything. You know, they, there's got to be a real opportunity here where, you know, where, where people are just hungry for something. I think we just got to figure out a way to, to show a path that, that looks real. I think so, too, Eric. I think that's the thing, guys, like the path doesn't always have to just be just go out and vote for someone, you know. I've been saying we, we need a movement first and then leaders second. And so if you're if people are all caught up talking about this or that candidate right now, 
I, I, I would say that's premature because right now they all suck. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. They're all bought. So I got to figure out, you know, how to, how to get a, a movement that demands, you know, something better and something that that's, you know, not just for the billionaires. I, I feel like, you know, that needs to be a focus. Yeah, I feel you. Um, Workers Strike Back, actually, I received an email from them. I meant to tell you guys. They're one of the things they're fighting for right now is for the minimum wage to be $25 an hour. I heard that. <laughs> Got the hiccups. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. So I put it. All right, so, so Sabrina, I put in the chat someone answering pasta. So just look at it and look at how she was responding to what he said, what, what she was responding to. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Wait, there now? I put, I put it in there. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can find it. You went in there, Roger. It's not in there? No, I see it. I see it in mine. Roger put in a Twitter link. It scrolled down a bit, but. Oh, well, Roger, you ain't tell me I have to scroll down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the workers strike back stuff, I mean, I, I like a lot of what they're doing. I, I don't know. I, I guess it just, I guess it just feels like too much focus on, on, on unionizing everything, everyone, and and not enough focus on on the money and corruption part. Yeah, I don't well, know. I think, I think their goal is to organize the workers first and then then build a, a third party from the movement. Yeah, I mean, like if they can do it, I mean I'd I'd be there for it, but I, I don't know. It's I I guess I, I just I I just don't feel like like unionization is is inspiring enough for enough of of the the people out there. I think we should do it and, and push for it as a part of something. But I mean, for, for, for most people like, like union and unionization of their job just isn't, just isn't a thing. And it isn't really much of a possibility. I feel like. What do you mean? Well, I mean, what's, what's the percentage of, of jobs that, that that would really, you know, uh, apply to, you know, that to really get there. Anyone can you know. form a union. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm all for it. I, I, I guess I just feel like by the numbers, well, it's. Well, Eric, man, like, uh, I, I would say this, like, uh, you know, people have to start somewhere. You know, if it, if it means like starting with unions, like allow them to, to do that, you know, and then like uh, move on to like, uh, 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 you know, uh, what is it called? Um you know, worker co-ops and, you know, like moving into like those things, you know, later. So I think, um, I think we should just, sorry, my bad. Sorry. Keep going. But, well, I mean, just give people time, you know, like, I think, uh, you know, people, you know, even like uh, with Roger, you know, when he talks about, you know, uh, ballot initiatives, like, uh, it's just like a lot of time to like, you know, uh, dedicate to that, you know, and people are still working. I know for me, like I, I have to catch the bus and shit like that. So, 
uh, you know, and I'm I'm all the way up. I work all the way across town, so there's not enough time for me to like you know do that. So, uh, and I just you know, and I think if anything, like just uh, learning like what's going on, and then actually you know putting the work in and shit like that. It's 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 just gotta you know you just gotta allow a pe- you know people to like uh, just to put the work in. So, I mean that's that's where I'm at as far as that that goes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, calling people in is definitely huge. You know, it's definitely that that step one. But let me, I I, I think of it this way: we we've got you know huge obstacles, huge challenges. I mean, you know, we're talking about this this you know corporate capitalist state, you know, that has trillions of dollars and billionaires and, and huge corporations and whatnot. It it's it's a huge task. You know, it's it's a long shot <laughs> to have any, any prayer of doing this. And I, so what I come to is there's really only one way that, that this is going to happen that, and that is if you get a real mass movement, you know, of, of just huge numbers. And I feel like, like, that's not like a part of this thing. Like to me, like that's the only like even chance of this. And so then yeah. the challenge becomes, how do you inspire that mass movement? What do you focus it on and, and what what can possibly work to do that? Well, and then that's where I come to the stuff that I that I come to. Well, the, you, you need a plan to get to that mass movement because inspiring it just only lasts for like, I right, boom, like they're inspired, they do it. And then that energy goes out. That's it. You need a plan to get to that, to, to get to the mass movement. You see what I'm saying? That's more of a goal. Like you want a mass movement. That's a goal. Just like it's a goal to get that constitutional amendment to to limit big money and, and, and so on and so forth. That's the goal. But you have to iron out a plan on how to get there. I think- well, I'd say, you know, one, the, the first step is education, you know, is, is calling people in. And, and you know, I, I think if we could get like all of our thought leaders, you know, on our real left here to, to be saying that, you know, we need to be focusing on the money, you know, this needs to be, you know, a class issue and this needs to be about, you know, they're corrupt, you know, they're, they're just doing it for the money and they're killing the rest of us, the 99%. And hey, you know, uh, I want to, uh, if anything, like uh, Eric, like I just, um, you know, again, like it, it, it comes with time, and I think, uh, just you know, we, we're already having like the discussion right now. You know, I think if anything, like we are, I'm, as far as like RBN and you know, Savvy Case and you know, and, and Roger and you know, anybody that's uh, doing the activism and putting the work in and putting the money up, they're they're doing the work right now. I think right now it's just you know spreading the message, and you know, I think the hardest part is like just convincing people to like. Uh, move forward with it, you know, and I, you know, I know like with myself and shit like that, like I've had these discussions, you know, especially like, uh, you know, over like a, at the bar that, I that I like a uh, drink ad and shit like that, or, or, or sports at. And, you know, I'll talk about like a lot of things that you, you, you guys have proposed, you know, and, you know, it's kind of hard to convince people to, you know, move in this direction and shit like that. So, well, you know, one of the things that I I had as a um, like 
you can have okay so when you was talking about like um the money in terms of the the, the like the problem with like the grassroots needs help when it comes to pushing initiatives so i think there should be a plan i have i have a plan for like an amendment for public financing of ballot initiatives where um you're able to not just use be able to use grassroots financing for in and with with multiple matching funds I see, Roger, but, but who's going to pass that amendment well it's gonna it'll have to be us it'll have to be us but this is where i come back to it it's going to have to be a mass movement you know, we're going to have, well, to have still, literally about, people about, in the streets demanding these things. Yeah, I was talking it's about not happening. You know, no, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see amendments pass all the time at state level. There was no mass movement. It was no people in the street. It was just people getting together, organizing, and say, "Okay, let's do this petition drive," and they were able to do it with you know grassroots money. You see what I'm saying? So like this mass movement that that you that that you want to have happen on a national level, that thing has to at least because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm saying at every level. I want you I, I want you to think about this. The the mass movement, whether it's a general strike, whether it's a, a protest, whether it's a rally, whatever it is, it's all to get to get the politician to do what you want, okay? When you have the ability to pass these laws and ratify these amendments in your own state yourself, you bypass that entire process. Oh, we'll do it. You sit over there, politicians. We'll take care of this, okay? Sit down, go name some buildings, go pave some streets. You don't know what the hell you're doing, okay? And, and you know, do some constituent services, we got the laws and we will take care of the amendments. Okay. You don't need a mass movement to do that. The um, initiative amendments through initiatives are passing every year. Laws through initiatives are passing every year. There's no mass movement to do that. You see what I'm saying? So, but what I was trying to say before is like, just going back to what Bryce was saying about, I said, listen, there needs to be an initiative amendment. Okay. That allow that allows for um, public financing of ballot measures, where not only do you are you able to allow to use the money to pay for paraphernalia and advertising and so on and so forth, but allow you to actually comfortably step temporarily step away from your job, where you're able to actually use the money to pay for you know whatever bills you got, car note, rent, mortgage. Um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, cell phone utilities, whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? And have like an independent um, enforcement agency that keeps you to that. And if anything that you want to use that money for to pay with, you know, some type of bill that's not on that list, you have to get permission from this independent ethics commission. You see what I'm saying? So this way you don't have to worry about, you know, to addressing what Bryce was saying. Um, you don't have to step away from, I mean, you don't have to be like divide time between working your job and, and doing, getting these petitions, or if it's already on the ballot, getting the, um, you know, campaigning to, you know, get it, to get people to vote for it. 
Well, I think for me, like, it's just uh, the learning end of it. You know, I, I just got to, like, uh, learn, you know, how, how to do it and go about it, you know, within Nevada. But, I mean, like, I do talk about it, you know, and... Uh, I you want me like sending you the stuff again? Uh, I, I, like, I have, like, a, the, the, the page open, like, right now, you know, because you sent it to me. Uh, you can resend it again if I mm-hmm. did close it, but... Um, uh, I do have it open, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I forgot. Oh, here it. Here you are. I found you. Um, yeah. when you when, when you coming to Carnegie Hall? Uh, my daughter. My, my daughter's going out there. Uh, I want to like try to get out there, but I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, because of like uh, uh discrepancies like uh in in, in my pay. Uh, I did get a raise, so that's that's why I was like uh, uh talking about coming out there, you know. But um, if if I have to, like I can like um. Uh, definitely like uh, make a trip out there like later on, so I can like talk with talk with you. I mean, any of you, you know, like uh, I can like uh, make make those you know plan those trips to like uh, you know talk with any of you, you know, to like learn more about like uh, how to do do things, you know. And I, if anything, like uh, I want to uh, get more well versed in like a Nevada law mm-hmm. to like uh, push the things that that. Uh, that that needs to happen and shit like that. So uh, especially like uh, with the the rising uh, rent prices, I, I do know like um, like uh, 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 where I, where I live at right now, like uh, we got to deal with like uh, uh, people that are in Cali, you know. So that's I don't know how to deal with that, you know. So I have to like really look into that. So. Yeah, no, yeah, no problem. It's going it would be it would be kind of um what's that word? Certain states like Nevada and South Dakota would be kind of tricky to do a um a state public bank because they're not you guys don't have state income taxes. Um but I know I wanted to see how they would Oh, yes. Yes, Sabrina. So you had the guy on there from whole Washington today or, or something like that, Valentine, right? So I did not know that he, that um, Senator, I knew Senator Bob Hashigawa from Washington state. He holds the public bank bill, right? But I didn't know that he was also a sponsor of the uh, legislative version of uh, single payer, right? So I want to. I was going to try to find out if, if if there's some way. I want to see if I could like maybe get him on your show or something like that to talk about how a public bank would run in a state that um, doesn't have state income taxes. You see what I'm saying? Because usually the the fuel to it is a fuel to the state bank would be state taxes. You know. So so um, Laura told me. Um, to contact Andre. So I'm, I'm going to see what I can do. Maybe we could get something going, right? But- yeah, yeah. Just reach out. Let me know. Um, I, I'm about to head out, though, because it's getting kind of late. Um, mm-hmm. But any final thoughts, just let me know. Got it. Uh, thanks again, Sabby. <laughs> you, do, you do great work. Uh, that's my final thoughts. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye, everybody. Eric, Noel, Roger. See you later, buddy. See you,
<laughs> so we got a big Friday tomorrow. Norm Finkelstein, huh? Yep, he'll be on. He is such a character. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's something already. Hmm. <laughs> well, well, the way the Marxist progressives are going today, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. That was good, Roger. Take oh, that show this on is the not road. Roger. This is actually Norman Finkelstein. Who are you calling Roger? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you insult me like that, Sabby? <laughs> Noel, I took over Roger's body. Oh, my God. All right, Spirit I'm heading out. All right, and remember we keep Sabby an extra hour tomorrow too on our uh, on our forum eleven. Nice. We'll see okay. how that goes. All right, guys. Kit. Have a great one, everybody. Good morning. Much love. Bye. Morning. Good Adios. evening. Good night. <laughs> good day, sir.